Hey, hello everyone. My name is Sean Simons, also known as PPG Grandpa. You're listening to PPG Grandpa's Paramotor Podcast, ClearProp TV, and Paratalk.org. This is Season 2, Episode 100. I know that you guys could be doing anything else, including flying paramotors, but you decided to, to jump on here and chat with us. We already got the uh, super chat is overflowing. We got Sean Matzker, uh, Bill H., John Wayne, um, Will Fly, Daniel Roosh. Man, everybody's just chatting away. That's really awesome. I appreciate you guys. Uh, my name is Sean Simons, also known as PPG Grandpa. You can find us anywhere that uh, that does podcasting by searching for PPG Grandpa's Paramount Podcast. You can watch us live like you are right now at clearproptv.com or iflyparamotors.com and listen to us on paratalk.org. Look at all the people that we have on here. Let's go through real quick and say hello to everybody. Tonight we're just going to be talking about paramotors, the episode that we're on, what we've been doing since those episodes, and uh, really soon we're going to be on our third year of podcasting. So let's start up over here. I mean, I don't know what your screen looks like, but I can see Cole right over here on the top. So we're going to say hello to Cole. What you doing, buddy? How you How you doing? Doing great. Flew this afternoon and uh, excited to be on the 100th episode. That's awesome. Do you remember what episode you were on? Um, it was just a couple episodes ago, right? Yeah, 97 maybe. That's awesome. So what you been doing since your 97th episode? Uh, staying out of trouble and flying. <laughs> Weather permitting. Weather That's permitting it for us up here in Chicago. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait to chat more with you this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, next to me over here now, we got Will Fly from willflyppg.com. What's up, buddy? Hey, you guys. Yeah, 100 show. I mean, that's incredible. Absolutely. 100 of many things, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Had a really nice flight tonight. It was uh, real smooth air and just uh, beautiful sunset. And I don't know, man. I'm either flying or thinking about flying, one of the two. Awesome. Well, you're always on our panel, and I always appreciate you jumping on here. I know that there's so many other things that you could do, but you always help us out here. So definitely appreciate you always being on the panel, buddy. Thank you. We also got Mark in the house. What's up, buddy? You have, uh, you've been here, what, the last couple of uh, times uh, on here? So I'm glad that you made it here. How you been? I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about me. <laughs> yeah. Doing okay. Um, yeah, I was on episode 54. I just looked that up um, and doing okay. I actually flew today with Cole Parsons and uh, Larry Carell. I believe he was on too. Uh, hopefully he'll join us later today um, on here too. But uh, yeah, that's what uh, I did today. Good to be here. Well, good to see you again, buddy. Glad that you're here. We also got Brian Haybill Waller from ppgbrian.com. What's up, bud? Uh, what's going on, guys? Glad to be here. 100 episodes. Woo -woo. Man, that's something special, huh? It really is. I uh, I was episode number 26, if I remember correctly. Wow. And uh, yeah, so I've, I've been on here for over a year, and this has been awesome, man. Just uh, hanging out. This is my, my pair of family, and uh, it's good to be part of it. I love flying paramotors. I love hanging out with y'all and uh, I love talking about it. And I like making videos every once in a while. 
traveling and flying with you as, as many of you as possible. And uh, it's, it's, it's a good life. And uh, if I haven't flown with you yet, I look forward to doing it soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian, so much. I know that you've been here for a long time. You helped me out a lot, uh, a lot on this uh, podcast. So thank you so much for uh, not only being a guest, but helping us on uh, being a, on a pem- on the panel uh, for God for a year and some change. I appreciate that. Glad also, to be here, man. Appreciate you having. Me. Absolutely, buddy. We also got Paramom USA, our own Linda Anderson, with her little pom poms. Come on, where are the pom poms? There they are. Welcome, everybody. I'm so I'm, excited about this Mondays. I'm always excited about Mondays. You know me, but I'm just—I don't even know. I think it's been like two years, maybe, that I started with the show with you. You know, kind. Of, I don't I, remember the first time that you joined no. us. I was hoping that you were going to remember. I was so nervous and scared, and now it's like I love my parent family. I've made so many friends. Um, you know, in the last couple of years, and it's it's awesome. It's awesome. And, and you, you probably awesome. helped get half these people that were on here on the show. That's right. That's right. Our PR and girl. I, and thank you so much. I mean, without you guys, we wouldn't have a show. That's, that's just, you know. And sure. that's why I'm always reaching out to people. Come on over. Come to our house. Come on. Come to our Zoom. Come to our show. It's awesome. And yeah, and these people get on there and. And then they are, they're friends with us and then other people see them and they make more friends and there you go. The family just gets huge. So thank you so much, guys. Well, thank you, Linda Anderson. And if you want to be on our show, just get up with Linda Anderson. You can find her at paramomusa.com. That forwards over to her Facebook page. And uh, we also got Doug Martin in the house. Doug Martin, he's uh, been on our show a couple of times, actually. Um, he had an accident and we uh, talked about his accident and and how he's been doing so much better. So I hear that you've been doing a lot of flying on your trike now. Uh, I've got about 125 hours of my trike. Wow. So the summer, we were lucky enough to have some really good weather. So I was just looking at my flight log and it's like 25 flights, 20 flights, 12 flights. Six flights, two flights. Oh, I'm depressed. So <laughs> the last three weeks have been on one flight in the last three weeks. So tonight was the only flyable night, and I didn't. I got to work right at sunset. So, but it's finals week. After this week, I'm done for three weeks. So I think I'm gonna throw. I think I'm gonna toss a couple bicycles, a couple paramotors, my dive gear, throw it all in the trailer. Head to Virginia, see my daughter, head to Florida, maybe get some diving in, step up to one one up adventures. I want to make my way to the Carolinas, make my way back up. I might make a few weeks of it. So might as well enjoy myself. Absolutely. Do you uh, now your accident that you had was on Valentine's Day of what year was that? Uh it would have been about twenty months ago. So would have been nineteen. Okay. Or twenty. So. Uh, don't ask me what. No math. <laughs> it's it's finals week. No math. Um, gotcha. Uh, now, for for the record, I I left everything in the college. I grabbed a grabbed a tablet when my video disappears, simply because my my battery died. But uh, otherwise, I'm here till the end. So. All right. Sounds good, Doug. Glad that you're here, buddy. Glad that you're flying around and everything's going good. 
We also got uh, Eric and Jade Lear in the house. Holy smokes, we got them both. How you doing, guys? You're on mute right now. They're like, oh crap, where's the mute? There it is. Hey guys, uh, welcome from Northern Wisconsin. Congratulations, uh, Sean, on your 100th episode. Pretty cool. Well, thank you very much. I, like I said, couldn't do it without you guys. Um, wouldn't want to do it without you guys. Um, who, who'd want to hear uh, old grandpa talking 100 episodes all by himself? That'd be boring as hell. So thank you, everybody. <laughs> and um, just in case you all did not know, um, Eric does a show, a podcast on Tuesdays. And you can find him at ppglearlear.com. And his wife, Jade, does a podcast on Wednesday. You can find her at paramotorgirl.com. Thank you guys for being on the show. All right. Thank you. Thank you. We also got Andrew in the house. What's up, buddy? Hey, how are you doing? Doing good. Um, um, we, we didn't have a live show, but we did do a podcast um, with you, with your paramotor that you bought before you got training. And uh, that'll be interesting to talk about um, live. How you been, bud? Uh, too bad. I Obviously, what you said about the paramotor, I ended up uh, selling it to put some money towards a wing. I've just been training with you in the uh, in the meantime. And if I, you wanted to go with screen names, my uh, YouTube is I try to fly PPG because that's what I'm doing. I'm trying, <laughs> but uh, better to better to try and train with you than to just get up there and uh, make a bad decision because you know almost had some accidents. But um, yeah, in the meantime, take it slow, steady. It'll be worth it. And I'll be flying with some of y'all uh, as much as I can in the future. Absolutely. Uh, he tried to self-train. He broke how many props before he came to me? Four. Four props before he came to me. We tried to do a hang test. And then what happened to your paramotor while we were doing a hang test? Um, pulled the paramotor out of my car. It fell down. Uh, the, uh, the back bracket that holds the uh, straps for the harness cracked and it, it just snapped right off, which, I mean, that's the whole thing that's holding me up in the air. Um, kind of lucky that it actually happened in front of you it was a bit yes. humiliating but you know stop me from being like oh, i'll just throw a tack wall down and get back up there no you need a lot more than that yeah I'm, I'm glad that it happened on the ground and not while you were up um test flying it that would have been awful so glad that you're in the house andrew john wayne's in the house too um but we're gonna skip over john he's kicking back in the background to jp tulo he's our TikTok tulo the only guy i know that has two million views on a cat swatting his thing <laughs> what's up jp you're two still million? on what's going on yeah two million two million hits on TikTok. right yeah, oh, two point two point one, I think. Yeah. Um, man, that it started out really slow too, and then uh, I think it really took off in Albania or something ridiculous. Yeah. It didn't do real good in the states, but then in Europe, it like completely blew up. It was the weirdest thing, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's cute. I like having fun making short video clips, whatever. Uh, nothing too serious. <clears throat> Yeah, I saw your uh, your cool video that you did for Will Fly's video. That was really good. Sitting at the desk, that was good. Oh yeah, did did, <laughs> did Will release that yet? Yeah. Oh sure shoot, did. man, I'm yeah. so behind. Man, I don't want to know about your behind, but all right, glad that you're here, buddy. Happy Thanks for joining us, JP. Hey, they say, um, what is it? 
after a hundred hours, you're an expert. So are we all paramotor experts or are we podcast experts? No, or it's 10,000 hours. 10, 000, well, you know, 73% of all statistics are all made up. So I thought it was 47.9. Yeah. <laughs> I just made that up anyway. So. I just made that up too. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, JP, for being on here and helping us out over the years, uh, being our IT guy and helping us with that spinning wheel of winning things. Always All nice. right. We also got Jim Sennard from Canada, the only person I know that has money that smells like maple syrup. What's up, buddy? Really happy to be part of the show today. Well, glad that you're here. Um, I wish that we had some smell vision so we could scratch your money and smell some maple syrup no i can give you some i'll see if i can uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay sounds good well we're glad that you're here and uh thank you for helping us uh, print those uh, paramotor calendars at paramotorcalendar.com um you can find uh jim's print place over at carepp.com and his flying shenanigans at carepg.com we also got larry larry corral's in the house what's up buddy Hey, how's it going there, Sean? What's a good word? Doing good, buddy. How what 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 um what episode did we have you on? Do you remember offhand? I remember you were really desperate and you asked anyone to come and I was the only one available. So I think you got yeah. stuck with me. Um, <laughs> was it, uh, 34, 35, 53, somewhere somewhere in those general areas. That's good. Well, glad that you are on. Glad that you are back. Um, we'll definitely have to ask what you've been doing since you've been on the show. Anything interesting happened? Oh, just got back from a flight with uh, Mark and Cole, so we're just uh, thought we'd hop on and, and and wish you the best. We really appreciate you having us on. Um, no, just been doing a lot of flying, even though it's cold here. It's been in the 20s. I think today was actually a, a toasty day. It was 55. Uh, no tornadoes like you guys got. Did you guys get hit by the tornadoes down there? It, it skipped where we were and kind of started hitting um, uh, like a little northeast of us, and yeah. then it did that long what 200 mile trek yeah so, sounds brutal yeah we, i'm glad we got, you're here with us <laughs> i am too i am too i am too so thank you larry for being on the show it's been a while since i've seen you or talk with you no it's, it's, I'm, I'm always hanging around i'm always reading what you got to say i don't always reply but yeah. just try to keep up with everybody i'm on the line every day I, I work from home so half the time i'm doing my work the other half the time i'm seeing what everybody's got to say I, I, you know what, if you work from home, why are you not flying and doing this stuff as you're flying that now that would be cool. I've actually done meetings online. Wow. I've taken uh, calls with uh, business people. And luckily enough, first time I tried it was with Cole, just to see if you could hear the buzz or the engine. You really can't. So we were taking calls. And if we had a meeting or something like that, where we didn't have to talk a whole lot, it's like, shit, let's go fly. <laughs> so we did that turn on the phone and just kind of awesome. showed up. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. We'll have to ask you uh, later on the show what you're using so we can do the same thing when we have to do a meeting. Hey, I'm sick at work. (laughs) Wait a minute, I'm flying, but you don't hear it. Well, thank you, Larry, for being on the show, buddy. Good to see you again. Good to see you. We also got Sean Nasker in the house. Sean Nasker. Hey, hey. uh, Good to see you, buddy. You're still uh, doing your your paramotor um, ground handling school? Yeah. Good yeah, deal. Kite Clinic. Yeah, I still have that up and it's it's going. Uh right now we're kind of in the slow time because it's winter 
and right. Ohio's kind of cold and brutal conditions, but yeah, it's still up and going. And uh, happy 100th episode, by the way. That's one heck of an accomplishment. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, you know, please, uh, everybody keep those that have been in the path of the tornadoes and in your prayers because uh, they could definitely use it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's a shame to, to hear a, a tragedy like that striking just before the holidays. It's, it's very hard on a lot of folks. It really is. It really is. Um, unfortunately, too, we've had uh, um, an accident from one of our paramotor buddies um, on the 10th, and we do have a fundraiser that we put in the uh, um, the show notes. I will copy this and I'll paste it in here, too. They are doing some donations for the family. So let me go ahead and put that in our super chat so you can see that and check it out. Oh, and let me put on blast here. Today, I was notified by somebody via text message that they received a message from me on Facebook. All right. It is not me. I do not have a Facebook. Somebody hacked my Facebook and I guess deleted my page or something. So I couldn't get into it or something. And they've been sending messages about grants or something like that. Do not respond, hit report, make sure that that page is taken down because I'm not a part of Facebook or anything like that anymore. So I'm just sending that out for all of y'all that watch the show, part of the paramotor paragliding community. Those that know me, that know me on Facebook, it's not me. So That's do not reply. Awful because I just got myself, you know, a, a grant from you. I mean, all I had to do was send in $10,000 and they're going to yeah. give me a $20,000 grant. So I'm, I'm still well, waiting on that. I yeah don't, don't be. <laughs> and, and and don't fall for it because I'm telling you right now you know my no my worries. my account got hacked and somebody's you know impersonating like it's me when it's not and don't uh, worry Sean I don't I don't think anybody clicks links like that well Sydney. that's the thing except for you except for know. except for my parents but but that's the thing you don't know that it's not me because it it's my page it's my personal page. I've been hacked also. Matter of fact, I've been hacked so bad that my original Facebook that you guys were all on, like before where I had like, you know, 5,000 friends, it was hacked and deleted by the hacker and Facebook would not give it back to me. So I started all over, which reminds me, if you guys that are watching this have uh, been wondering, you know, what happened to me, um, I was hacked. I don't have a Facebook. I do have a Facebook now. I'll put that in the show notes and the link or the super chat. And you guys, if you want to, you can be my friend if you want to. See, no I'm not even bothering pressure. with adding. I'm not even bothering with adding Facebook again, because it's just a lot of work to set up another page just for that to end up happening after about 3000 friends. You know, it, it just seems like a lot of work. Just no big you know. deal. Well, welcome, Sean. Glad that you're here. Glad that we didn't um, click your link, um, but I am still waiting for that grant. Uh, this is our 100th episode. 100th episode, guys. Two years, and in just a couple more weeks, we're going to be season three, three years, and into our, uh, I don't even know what we're going to be doing. So thank you, everybody that has joined us. I definitely appreciate you. Let's go ahead and take a look in the super chat. Who has been in here and talked and we did not know about that? Sean Nasker, of course, you're here. Uh, Shannon Brooks, Mad Sloper, DP. What's up, buddy? Aaron I, the paramotor guy. 
Um, let's see, lots of chatting. Brian Waller. Um, who else? Let me scroll down a little bit, see who else is in here. Say hi, slow days. Walter. Walter, what are you doing there when you could be on the panel? John Wayne's in the house. And did I miss anybody? Bill um, H. Bill H. Yep. What's up, Bill H? Bill H in the house. We got Nick KC80RW. Okay. What's up? Good to, good to see y'all. Paramotor NC. Oh, Paramotor NC. PPG the other Nick. The other Nick. That's right. Yeah. PPG the other Nick. I'm trying to scroll through. There's so many people chatting. I'm really. This is really cool. Mad Sloper. Mad Sloper. Yep. Sean Simon. What? I'm in the house too. That's awesome. Oh, DP, you dropped 10 bucks in the super chat. I just saw that. Thank you very much, buddy. I appreciate that. Reptileguy.net. Yeah. Steven English. Yep. Man, there's lots of people. And Eric. Eric from ppglear.com's in here too. Well, that's awesome. He's a famous dude. He's got his own show. I know. That's awesome. Steven, Steven English. All right. I hope that we were able to say your name live on our hundredth episode. All right. So what has been going on you guys for, since you've been on the show and, uh, I guess, I don't know. Let's just talk about paramotors. Any interesting thing that's been going on that you want to talk about as far as paramotors? Oh, come on. We can't have, a, we can't a have dead air. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. I think that, uh, I think oftentimes people have a, a fascination with the idea of flight before control. I think that's a very important aspect. It's not so, it's not so much about getting in the air. It's about understanding how to get in the air safely, you know? That's true. And one of the things that you guys got to do, as Andrew knows, Andrew, tell us what you, what you did and what you should have done. Yeah, um, I guess the only real things I can add to this conversation is what not to do, because um, I don't have a whole lot of experience. But uh, yeah, I I've had a fascination with flight my whole entire life. I always wanted to fly planes. I mean, I'm, I'm in the air force, you know, just taking an extended lunch break for this, but, uh, um, played a lot of flight simulators, understand the idea of flight and have the confidence to where I'm like, Oh, I can just, uh, buy this, uh, buy this new pair the used paramotor on eBay, bought a wing off of the uh, Facebook marketplace and just went for it. Um, I read a book, I was watching YouTube videos, I mean, I, I had the concept down and I got off the ground, I'd say one out of every 20 attempts and broke four props in the process. I mean, um, when I was up in the air, yeah, I was able to control it and um, everything worked out fine. I landed fine, but just not knowing what equipment that I actually needed, um, especially my wing size. The first wing that I got was a 36 meter had no idea what that meant, but it was like flying the Titanic over my head. And I thought that it was just me. Like, why am I not able to fly everything properly? Nope. It was all bad equipment. Didn't know what I was doing. Um, Do you remember how old the equipment was? The uh, motor, I believe, was uh, made in 2010. 
the first wing I got, the 36 meter was uh, also made in 2010. Um, and I ended up trading that online with another uh, instructor down in Florida. He sent me a, a 30 meter, you know, cause he wanted one for a trike cause mine was made for a trike. And uh, the 30 meter was made in 2001. Um, it obviously flew a lot easier. It was able, I was able to kite it and get off the ground with that. Whereas the 36 meter, I couldn't, but still uh, way too big, way too old, incredibly hard to handle. Yep. Um, unfortunately, we've heard that a lot as far as, you know, people trying to get their gear and uh, try to fly before they get instructor. And how many people have gone to instructor and, you know, the instructor said, this is not going to work. I mean, I was agog when I saw Andrew's equipment. As a matter of fact, real quick, I know that you got to go because you're on your extended uh, break. That's why we're talking to you first, Andrew. But tell us real quick, what are all the things that you had to due to your paramotor to make it work um, the way it should work? Uh, well, when I got it, um, everything was fine. You know, it, it was older, but uh, when things started going wrong, so the first one, the pull start snapped. So I ended up taking that apart, um, spooling it back together, tying, uh, tying the rope just to make it work. I did it out in the field. Um, the hand strap on the throttle, broke the Velcro. So I used zip ties to hold that on because I, I just wanted to get up in the air that day. Um, and the main dangerous thing was uh, my kill switch on the uh, throttle broke. It, it just stopped working. So I'm like, oh man, how am I going to, you know, be able to kill the engine without uh, changing out the whole hand throttle? And I ended up, you know, you know, realizing I could just choke out the engine. So I bought a, uh, I bought a choke throttle switch for a lawnmower from Home Depot. I ran it up to the choke behind my back and put a switch kind of down by my left thigh to where the motor would be running in order for me to kill the engine. Let's just say I was flying. Luckily, I never got off the ground at this point, you know, when I made this modification, but I would have to stow the left brake, reach down, hit the switch to choke out the motor and then grab the, um, grab the brake again to safely get myself down. Um, yeah, that is uh, definitely more than I would need to do to safely get down without a, yeah, it was stupid. <laughs> yep. Um, well, and there's something to be said on that. You know, the amount of money that it costed in repairs, equipment, your body, you know, that it kind of equivalates, you know, going that route, it costs a little, little bit more money, right? Yeah, uh, especially in props, because, I mean, the props were about 300 bucks a piece. So I definitely put a little bit over a grand into props alone, and I only got off the ground three times, you know. But I'm just – I'm kind of headstrong. Like, I like I like to do everything myself. I work on my car myself, work on my car myself. You know, and I'm like, I don't, I don't need an instructor. I don't got to pay all this money. And I didn't give up. Like, I spent, you know – countless hours on the field like on saturdays i would just go out to this field uh in this park and just stand out there in the arkansas heat trying over and over and over again and sweat my ass off like i'm gonna get up in the air and a couple times i did and it was great but man when i would when i'd break a prop or fall down and you know botch a takeoff it was just like you you'd see me nearly having a meltdown out in the field like god i gotta wait another three weeks for this thing to come in the mail another three hundred dollars but here we go again yeah. And, and it hurts. It, it really does. Mm. You know, it, it hurts. It hurts your wallet. It hurts your, your, you know, your, 
your yourself, your ego, your personal, ego. you know, you're hard on yourself. You're like, man, I, all I had to do was just this one thing. I, I know how to do this, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it that quick. Thing Some is, of the most annoying parts. Sorry, go ahead. I says, thing is, Andrew, too, you're not alone in this. There's so many other people out there that do the same thing and the same mistakes happen. And, you know, what, once you get along, you know, get into a group of people too, you know, you could be guided into, you know, things that you should be doing to kind of help you and prevent you from having all those expenses, you know, sending you to a, to an instructor that could work with you and, you know, just kind of guiding you not to buy the gear ahead of time. So it's like a live and learn, but yeah, you're not the first and you definitely won't be the last who, who does it that way. I'm really glad. Friends and people, uh, so I've had a lot of friends and people who are like, Hey, how do I get into this? And the first thing I tell them is don't just jump into it. Don't get your own equipment. Talk to an instructor first and I'll give them the contact of uh, Sean and be like, man, I, I wish I did this. And uh, some of the more embarrassing things is when I'd be out in a park or on the side of the road, trying to get up in the air, people want to stop and watch and, you know, one time I had 12 people that just pulled over and they're all standing there like recording me. And I'm like, I'm looking at them and I'm, you know, trying to set up and I'm like, Hey, y'all are going to be sorely disappointed. And they're like, no, 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 we'll wait and watch. And I'm like, uh, you don't understand. And then I'd take off, spin out. My uh, wing was crap. Start setting up again. And they'd still stand there and watch no pressure. I'm glad that you found Sean, uh, PPG Grandpa, man, and he was able to kind of steer you in the right direction. But there, there, there's a saying that goes, what you don't spend on training, you will spend on busted gear. And uh, I, I think that you've basically proved that saying. Um, you said four props. I mean, that's that's the cost of training right there at some schools. So, man, I, I'm, I'm glad that you, you found him and, and – uh, I, I came very close to trying to buy gear before I got into training because it was like nine months before I could get to training. I was like, let me go ahead and order some stuff. And somehow I held back and uh, it was one of the smartest things I did. Um, definitely recommend anybody out there is thinking about getting into the sport, you know, get some people that know about the sport, some, some instructors, get some training if you can, for sure. Uh, but definitely get some, get some knowledge before you buy your gear. Cause, um, you know, maybe you can barely afford to get into the sport. Um, just to start with, you don't want to waste your money. That's for sure. Yeah. And 100%. the other thing that, that is important is the, is the time. I mean, if you get good training, you're talking about being able to, I mean, I'm just, you know, this is a generaliza generalization. You get in the air in a, a few days, a week, you know, whatever, as opposed to, I don't know how much time, Andrew, you've, you've spent, you know, trying to get that, that big freaking wing up over your head. But uh, yeah, not only is, is it a time savings, um, but it's like what everyone else said. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it, it gives you a starting point where you can develop friendships and, and you've got like a support group, you know what I mean? To, to help you out. So, yeah right on i get Absolutely. that question all the time um online people are always asking you know can you send me a link to where i can order gear like and they just found out what paramotoring is you know five minutes earlier from watching a video yeah. and people are asking you know can you where can i buy this and it's like please don't you're gonna buy the wrong <laughs> thing the wrong size you're, it's just 
But oh, JP, well, that's how you get rid of your old wore out wings, man. Yeah, I think that's that, I idea. think that I think that's why people do jump to that conclusion, though, is because they they see guys like us, people that have been flying for years. They go out to the field, they take off, they shoot a TikTok video, make it look simple, you know, nothing, and then boom, they're under a glider. They have the motor and their foot dragon. Well, they it looks easy. It's appealing, you know. With the internet, the way things are, instant gratification, people are looking for that. But what they don't realize is it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of resources. You know, there's a lot of learning involved. And you're, you're mm-hmm. not going to stop learning just because you're, you're, you've been around this many years or you've done this many flights or you, you do this, you're known for that. It doesn't matter. You're still learning. Everyone's learning. I'm still learning. Absolutely. And it takes a lot of time, too. I mean, once you're underneath that glider, it takes a long time, uh, hours upon hours before you even take flight. Mad Sloper in the Super Chat said, reading books and YouTube videos are good to watch prior to training, but definitely wait to buy your gear until you hook up with an instructor. Because hopefully your instructor will give you a couple of different (laughs) motors and wings to try. So, you know, that way you have an idea of like, what do you want? You know, like um, we'll fly. You start off with a uh, an Adam eighty, right? Yes. And um, if you are able to use an Adam eighty and a one eighty five in class, you probably would have chose the one eighty five. What do you think? I I would have chose the one eighty five, and actually that was my choice. But I was steered towards the Adam eighty, and looking back, I'm glad I was, and so. Uh, but you know a couple hundred hours later then i was ready for the 185 you know it left you something to grow into right like kind of like uh having tip steer not tied in to your glider at first it gives you something you you develop you know you're able yeah. to rack up some hours under something that's a little bit safer and then once once you get a little more experience yeah. you move to you know a wing with more control and a bigger motor i think yeah. that's yeah, some of us just I think most of us just have that safety mentality. Some of us do. You know, we want to start out with a safer wing or a safer motor. Um, but, yeah, go ahead, Will. I know you're about to well, jump in. Well, no, it, it, I was just going to say I, I, I totally get it because the first thing that came to my mind when I decided I wanted to do this sport is, okay, what equipment do I need? I mean, it's just the first thing that came to my mind. So I think it's a natural thing, um, but doesn't make it the right thing, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean – Get you some good training, and you will not regret it. Absolutely. And here's another idea, too, you know, with that. You don't know what you don't know. And even I've been a victim of it. I'm, I'm sure there are many other guys that have been a victim of it. I've heard of it. Where people think that they're on a reputable site. It looks professional. They've got wings. They've got motors. They've got props. They've got everything. And it looks great. You type to the, to the, the sales associate, whatever. Sounds professional, everything. They send you, you know, the uh, itinerary of what it will cost. You send them the money, and then you don't hear back from them. And you're out all that money. And it happens all the time. Um, That's something else to watch out for, too. At least when you have someone like Sean to talk to, or you have an instructor to talk, you have somewhere they'll say, hey, you know what? I've ordered from this guy. I've ordered from this place. I've ordered from this place. They can get you taken care of. And that is generally a good place to go because they're not going to send you to some place that's going to rip you off or scam you. 
you know yeah, there are some places out there there are some bad places out there you got to be absolutely this really place this and in, in our in our um, paramotor community we this is a very small community you know everyone could probably look back at everybody's wing and know where it came from you know who bought it new and where it went um let's see uh doug you haven't chatted with us uh for a little while um so how about your experience you started off with foot um foot launching had an accident and now you're doing trike with your retractor trike how's that been going for you bud well first off by all means instruction before gear even i made the same mistake um i started out on a dk whisper uh 28 meter wing could barely fly it finally got good gear your best friend in paramotor period is the community the people around you the people that know everything i've got great dealers and great trainers by me so stick to the guys that fly a lot around you and you'll always find quality people um stay away from the jerks so you know i don't know who the jerks are um but uh, well, we'll stay away from I'm, them. I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna name names that's fine everybody has their own version that's fine but um to answer your question so i've been flying now for almost four years uh i had about 250 hours foot launch i've got about 125 hours on the retracted trike everything is going way better than it should um I'm back to work relatively normal, not flying as much as I'd like to, just as weather sucks lately. And uh, I haven't been on the show a whole lot just because college life started up. I'm normally in class till 10 p.m. They're all stuck in finals. Good week to be me, bad week to be them. So, um, yeah, I figured I'd stop in and see how your hunter show is going. Well, it was good to see you. Um, I know that we had you a couple of times, uh, one after your accident and one um, as you were recovering and started to fly. Yeah, I think it was somewhere right around the 30th something in the 60, mid-60s-ish. So, yeah, 36 and 64 or something like that. But, um, yeah, way better than it should be. I've ran every mountain bike race this summer. I ran every gravel race this summer. Really, I... I can't be luckier. We're good. So all things considered. And that's one more thing too. I'm going down for more training and I've learned a long time ago, go for your training, find out what you like, find out what you're really comfortable with, then make your decision, decide what you really want to do from there. Um, don't plan ahead, learn as you go. So I agree. Um, also, too, there's a lot of fly-ins that you could go to. Even if you don't fly, you can actually go to fly-ins and check out other people's gear, you know, look at other people's gear, talk to other people, see what they fly, see their wings. So there's a lot of ways of looking at gear without even getting your gear first. So let's say that you go train, right? And uh, there's a there's a fly-in. Go to the fly-in, check out the fly-in, and uh, you don't have to fly at the fly-in. Uh, Larry Correll, um, how many fly-ins have you been to? I've been to three in my 15 years of flying, believe it or not. Um, and the reason, I, I'm going to start going to more, but I, there's always so many people in the air. And everyone that I've been to, or, or a good good chunk of them that I've you know, talked to people about, there are near misses, accidents, 
it's kind of tough. The ones I've gone to have been local to me. Jeff Goyne used to have one out our way and have like, you know, 20, 25 people. When you start getting up in the 50, 7,500 people, that's a lot of people in the air. Um, so it's really tough. I, I, I definitely want to go to, there's the one in Ohio, the Dave Burden. It's one I definitely want to go and fly in. But uh, I think in the near future, I'll start to take in a bunch more. I may not fly, but I'll definitely go get to meet everybody because it is a great community of people. When you've gone to those fly-ins, have you checked out other people's gear, maybe flown somebody else's wing or anything like that? For sure, for sure, definitely. Um, it's really good after you're begin a beginner for about a year, um, start to get a feel for what kind of flying you want to do. Do you want to do acro? Do you not want to do acro? Do you want deal? Are you comfortable with a beginner wing or an intermediate? Um, what size wing? And try different motor. I, I found one thing also is that the uh, the harnesses you wear, uh, the Epco harness. I don't know if they're made for midget. I think I'm losing you, buddy. I'm not a tall guy. I'm six feet tall. Mark, you've, you've got one. And uh, it just doesn't fit. It, it just does not fit. So, I, I, you know, it's nice to go in and find a harness that actually fits. And try different wings, faster wings, slower wings, bigger wings, smaller. Um, try out different motors. And not only just different motors, but different uh, size propellers on motors. And I've gone from 125 to 140 centimeter makes a huge difference in the power you get. So it's really oh, kind of- but be careful. But be that... careful because, but be careful because if you pick too small of a wing, you're going to be coming in really hot. And when yep. you're going really fast and you come into land for your first time, it's like a pucker factor of 10. Like, <laughs> That's true. you know, like, true. yeah. So just be careful with that. Don't go too small because again, if once you get going and you get up in the air, there's no stopping it unless you're coming down to land. And you're going to land. <laughs> you can play with the trims. If you pull trims in, it'll help. But you're right. If you go too small, forget it. You're, you're coming in and it's more of a mental thing. I mean, you have more flare power. But when you first come in that first time and you're going so fast, you don't always think clearly. So it's kind of like you better like ease your way down in size of the wing so you don't freak yourself out. Since you've been flying That's so nice long. Those wheels from the retracted track. You come in hot. No, no worries. Yeah, you and go. your trim's all the way out, too, if you want. That's right. But, Don't let me check it. <laughs> but, uh, but, Larry, you said you've been flying for 15 years, right? Yep. And uh, what size of wings have you gone from? I mean, you went from, what, something really uh, really like an A-wing, and then you moved up? Or how, how did your progression happen? I started with two beginner wings. I think that was called the Momentum. It was by Blackhawk. First one was a 30-meter. That thing was a boat. I mean, it was a beast to get up in the air. Um, then I went to a 28 meter momentum as well. That was a good wing. I think that's a knockoff of the Eden two or Eden three. It flew great, but it was kind of a beginner wing. Then I went on to the Charger, which I really liked a lot, the Mecca Charger. And now I'm flying the Colorado. So I'm down to a 23 meter, but it was nice that I took the time to learn the wings. There's so many things you can do with the wing from playing with the trims, stuff like that. So it's, it's really important to play around with your wing and, you know, really get to know it before you want to go to the next wing. Cause a lot of wings have a lot of things that you don't, you know, talk to other people that fly and find out what they do, how they handle. Um, don't, don't just feel like you need to go from a beginner wing to a advanced wing. You know, a lot of the beginner wings, like a charger that has a lot of speed to it, a lot of trim range, it'll float or it'll take you fast. So, I mean, the wings are starting to, even the beginner wings are starting to have a lot of power to them and speed. 
You definitely seem to be the person to talk to. Do you have a, a YouTube or, or, or Facebook that we could go to and ask since you do have 15 years of experience with wings? Yeah, I'll put that down in the chat in a little bit for you. Awesome. Thank you very much. And also, too, Kent Stanley, uh, he became a member of this channel for six months. So thank you very much for joining our channel for six months. He's able to see all the new videos that come out and all the cool things that are just for members that other people do not get to see. Um, let's see. Who else has not chatted with us that needs to chat? How about how about the uh, the Lears? Lears, are you available to chat a little bit? Where'd the Lears go? Did they leave us? The Lears left us. Okay, no problem. Um, Jim, you are Jim Simnard from Canada. You are a new-ish pilot. When I say new-ish, the last I heard, you have had over a hundred flights, though. So, how long have you been flying, and how's it flying in Canada, eh? Been flying since July fourth. The I don't have a hundred flights yet. I'm at ninety-nine. Oh. Now, Oh, so close. So close. So close. And there, the there's no gimmies. The weather hasn't cooperated one bit the last two weeks. Hmm. What do you want to do for your 100th flight? You got something planned. I know you. <laughs> I do. Uh, I was planning on flying to Dairy Queen. There was a pilot just that landed at a Dairy Queen in a helicopter over here in a town. He got charged with the dangerous use of an aircraft, but that got thrown out uh, out of court. So kind of an interesting situation. And it really does have implications for us as paramotor pilots because we land pretty much anywhere there's no airport. So And the news is very eager to get on a story that is so important, even though it's really not. You know what I mean? Like, they are dying. Like, did somebody find a pair of motor somewhere? You know, because anything. If they were to happen to just see you, let's just say you went out, you find this beautiful field. It's quiet. There's nothing out there. You know, you've got Amish signs sitting out and stuff. And one reporter happens to see you getting your gear out. And you take off in front of them. That's all it takes. We got to have him on the news. As a matter of fact, start rolling. Start rolling. We'll, we'll have a, a story right now while he's in there in the background. You know? That'll be the time I trick. I know it. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. hey, Jim. Hey, Jim, real quick. About that helicopter, I, I haven't heard about that. Um, I know they're GA and they have different licenses than us, but you're in Canada and you have to have a license for your paramotor. So is that under the same thing with the GA or how does that work being in Canada in your paramotor? Uh, we, it's different. It's, we have different rules than GEA or pilot, private pilots or helicopters. But if you're landing a helicopter, you can pretty, I think, I don't know about in the States, but as long as you're landing in a relatively safe place, you're allowed to land and you're allowed to take off. And you're allowed to do that here too. If you're in an emergency, if there's some kind of something that goes on or your intent is to land, you're allowed to do that. Now, obviously we want to be safe. Absolutely. Um, so Jim, is a desire to have a blizzard considered an emergency? 
He's landing in a blizzard. Or four or blizzard. Or yeah, four blizzard. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, 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 I was told a story in the past, a long, long time ago, and I think it might work for when you're flying. If an emergency, okay, I had to poop. You know, hey, everybody has had an explosion. Okay. It's all happened. right. We don't want to talk about that on our hundredth episode, Sean. Well, but no, but I'm just saying that is a legitimate. Hey, I had to land. I, I, I had to poop. You know, I mean, I guess nobody, it's better than letting one this. go when it's you're just, flying. I, that's I guess what I'm right. saying. Nobody wants poop flying in the air. That's terrible. You know, Jim. Jim, I got a question for you. I, I don't understand the Canadian laws. I mean, I don't fly there. But if someone wanted to come from the U.S. and fly somewhere in Canada, um, what would we have to go through? Um, do we have to get a some kind of license, or do they accept some kind of rating? Or I believe as a paramotor pilot, you're not allowed to. But I also believe there is an international pilot's license certificate that you can get. And I'm... A, I don't know how it would work because I've never tried to go other places, but I believe you can get it, but it is also in conjunction with your pilot's license. So I don't know exactly how that would work unless you had a USPPA certificate rating or you'd have to, but it'd be really interesting to find out and to have a bunch of you guys come up and join that would be nice. Um, get your tandem and your tandem rating. We don't have to worry about it. <laughs> um, Mark Droy, since you were asking a question, um, what you been flying lately and how much have you been flying? Um, well, I'm flying the same wing that I was flying um, when I last talked to you guys back in episode 54. It's the uh, McPherry, uh Colorado. It's a 21. Um and uh, yeah, having a good time with that one. My prior wing before that was the Eden 4 that I started out on. Um, and then Larry actually mentioned something about, um, you know, trying different wings. And I was going to chime in and say something, but I was on mute. So <laughs> didn't really work. Uh, but I was going to say, um, even the uh, beginner wings that fly slower, um, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with those things. Because honestly, I mean, you're, you're flying and you may be going slower, but there's sometimes you'd like to go slower, you know, you could enjoy seeing wildlife without, you know, flying by it. But, um, you know, everyone seems to be in a hurry to get up to these advanced wings. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's fun flying a, a slower wing too, you know, depending. If you're with all your buddies and, you know, everyone's, you know, charging ahead, then yeah, you'd like to keep up. But, you know, if you're flying solo or something, it's still a lot of fun. Um, and uh, if you're, First starting out, it's a lot safer, obviously, for you until you kind of uh, understand what you're doing. So, uh, but yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing. Uh, I've been flying with uh, uh, Cole and flying with Larry and um, just, I guess, waiting for winter to, to happen because we fly through winter as well. So, absolutely. Hey, absolutely. Mark, I got a quick question for Mark about you. Do you mind if I ask how much you weigh? Uh, I'm 173. Okay, so I'm 150 and I fly the 23 Colorado. So how do you feel? Are you like, like you got a lot of extra speed with the, with the you said 21? Yeah, I got a, a 21 that I'm flying. And, and actually I'm flying a, this with the top 80. Um, 
So uh, even getting off the ground isn't too much of a problem. I, I had a, uh, a Parajet, um, the bigger engine, the Win 80, the XT 180, if anyone remembers that engine. Um, and that thing got me off the ground super, super quick. Um, but it takes a little, little more running to get off the ground with the 21. Um, but I, I don't find it especially, you know, overly fast where it's, you know, hard to come in for landings or anything like that. Right Someone was I asking in the chat about the, uh, if it was better to be in the mid range or slightly heavier, slightly, you know, what, what range was the best to be? And I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was in the chat. Um, that's why I was asking about that too. Oh, yeah. I, I think know. Will's getting ready to go buy a smaller wing, aren't you, Will? Yeah, I think I can get by with a 21, but I'm going to stick with my 23. You fly a 23 Colorado? Yeah. That's what I fly. I fly the 23 Colorado. I weigh 200 pounds. Really? Yep. So and it, yeah, I'm, I'm light on the on that wing. I know I am. Yeah, I, I like I, I like sorry. I like being heavy because it to me we get some pretty rough air and it just tends to fly a lot smoother if you're a little heavy on it. I like so being it heavy like too. A, for me. It's a safety factor. I'm I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm about it, it just gives me a little bit more comfort. Yeah, there I don't you go. You have a problem flying at 21 at all, not at 150 pounds. Yeah. I fly at 21 and I'm 220 pounds. Well, it is better to be a little, it yeah. is a little better to be a little heavier than it is to be too light. Right. If you're too light, what's going to happen is, is the wind is going to blow five to six miles an hour and you're going to be pair apart. And then you're going to run out of gas and then you're going to say, ah, I think I can make it all the way down to the field. And you're, focused on just that spot of the field hey, look, there's a row of corn hmm, i'm coming pretty low <laughs> you start flying backwards <laughs> all this talk happens. about being light or heavy on our wings maybe we should all say what percentage we're loaded on our wing if we know it um i'm 102 percent loaded on my 26 spider um i'm about 210 pounds it's a 26 meter wing for the most of 185 add a retract a trike that's 21 pounds more and you do the math, I uh, think the max loading on that wing is 140 kilograms. So it puts me a little over 100% loaded. It sounds like some of you, JP, maybe some others might be even higher than that. I know people that fly in the 120 to 130%. So do y'all know where you're at? Well, yeah, that's the, the thing, too, with where you're at, okay? If you're heavy on a wing, that means that you're less susceptible to have a collapse or an issue, but, but if you do, it's going to be more violent. Yes. If you're on a bigger wing and you're a lighter individual, you know, you're going to have more flips with the tips. You're going to have more likelihoods of collapse and it might not correct its, itself. If it's an ENA wing or whatnot, it may not correct itself like it typically would because you're light on that wing. You know, it's, it's kind of like pretty benign. Well, you also got to remember, people? too, that on your wings, um, there are the standard weight and then there's the um, advanced weight. So there's an actually an advanced weight on most wings. So if you are over 100 percent on your wing, that could be an advanced weight that goes up to a certain point. So even though you might be 110 percent of that wing, you still are within that advanced weight that's on your ratings for that particular wing. So make sure you look at your wing manual. 
So, um, I know I know Andrew has to go soon. So uh, anything that you want to chat about, Mr. Andrew, before you got to go? Well, actually, what time is it right now? Um, it's uh, almost eight o'clock. My time. I got a few minutes, but I got a question about uh, sizing up a hybrid wing. So I want to go with a hybrid wing. That mm-hmm. way I can, uh, you know, do some foot launches off of a mountain in the meantime before I get a motor. So if I got a hybrid wing and I was on the lighter side of that without the motor, and then later on I fly with the motor, you know, adding an extra, you know, 50 pounds or whatever it would be on top of my weight, I weigh 165. How would I size that up? Because that's a pretty major difference in weight, depending on what I'm doing, you know? That's something that you and I would, um, you know, look at the different wings that are available and then try to figure out, you know, what your weight is and your all up weight and what your motor is going to be when you get your motor. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things that you got to talk about, you know, as far as like you're, you're doing it for the motor wing and it's a, it's a hybrid wing, but you got to remember too, when you put that motor on, it's going to be a little bit higher. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the different uh, wings and stuff like that. Unless somebody else has something to say about a hybrid wing and motors. I was just thinking if you're going to free flight, you're more likely to have a collapse than if you're flying PPG just because of you need the wind to get you up. So you're going to fly on some pretty gnarly stuff. So that's just something to consider when you get the wing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go below middle of the range, recommended range for your, you know, jumping off a mountain. You want to have some weight on the. So it's okay to uh, be over the weight range, over 100% when I have my motor, but as long as without the motor, I'm not below that, you know, what, 60% threshold? I don't think anybody on this panel will sit here and tell you it's okay. What we can tell you is that it's no longer guaranteed under the manufacturer's ratings to be rated at that rating. So if, if you're overweight on your wing and that's an A-rated wing, it's no longer you're, you're flying an on-rated wing at that point. Do people do it safely? Yes. Um, there's lots of people that fly outside of the weight range and they have experience and they know it makes it more dynamic and they know a lot more about it than I do. Um, but just know that. There is an apparent danger to that as well, though. You have to think. If you go above the suggested limit of weight, and you know you are making it technically an uncertified glider. <laughs> you have to worry about if you go into a maneuver that's going to be a high G, uh, something that's going to put stress on those lines. That could become an issue, and that could be a very scary thing, especially when one snaps. JP, um, that that can be very significant. Um, I, I believe in one of your videos, you had an issue with a, I believe it was a brake line or it was a C line or something like that. Stabilo. Uh, yeah. A B, yeah. Stabilo line. Yeah. And it, it, it was, it was quick, wasn't it? I mean, it just pop and you're like, Whoa, you know, like toss laundry. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm safe. You know? Um, yeah. That was a scary moment, man. And I'm, I'm not trying to like single you out, but that is a good example of how fast things can happen. And if, you're weighted more than what the recommended weight is, that could potentially be a thing. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a lot of different things. Um, uh, I got the uh, Gin Vantage 3. It's a, it is a, a hybrid wing. So um, I could free fly with that, you know, if I wanted to. 
and um, I can motor with it. And it's very, very lifty. And it's lifty for a reason. Uh, my wife just sent me this. Uh, if, you, if you give me one quick second, I'd like to share this with you guys. Um, so four years ago, I was in St. Vincent's. I was on the ventilator. Um, I had a heart, um, open heart surgery and a complication with uh, a stroke. Um, I knew when I came to, I wasn't able to talk. I uh, had a, a peg tube. I couldn't feed myself. Um, and I was hungry for a hamburger and I searched to look for a hamburger and I found Tucker got and um, he flew to McDonald's. So that's how I got into wanting to fly a paramotor. I knew I was going to get better. And when I got better, I'd be flying a paramotor. So I just thought I'd share that with you since my wife just sent that to me. I think that video with flying to McDonald's is uh, probably the first video of paramotors that most people have seen. Every time it comes up, someone brings up that video. That's actually the very yeah. first video I ever saw years ago. Oh, he just flew to McDonald's. And most people, yeah, they make it look easy and they're hooked. I agree. How many people here on the panel real quick and everybody in the channel, uh, the super chat, how many people saw Tucker flying to McDonald's first? Raise your hand. That was mine. <clears throat> couple people here. Um, what was your first? If that was not your first, what was your first? Can I go real quick? Yeah. Just because I had not seen the video and uh, I was in training. I, uh, I was partnered with like a buddy, you know how they do sometimes in training. And the entire time we were training, he, he was asking the instructor, you know, uh, when we do our first flight, can we eat a hamburger up there? And I'm, and I'm over here thinking, what the heck is this guy talking about? Cause I had never seen the video. This was happening. Like it came out right probably before training. And, uh, he kept bringing up eating a hamburger in, in the air. And I was like, what is wrong with this guy? I'm thinking the entire time during training. And uh, I eventually, you know, figured it out, put two and two together later on when I had seen the video afterwards that that's what he was trying to accomplish. And uh, yeah. But so uh, how many people here have flown to McDonald's? Sean flew to Sonic. I flew um, to Sonic. Yeah. That's pretty equivalent. Cool. Uh, I made My a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the air once. McDonald's. Uh, we, we do a couple of really big trips to a local burger joint here in the country. So I think we did three trips last summer and breakfast one year. That's, That's awesome. pretty fun, isn't it? Yeah, you like seven or eight of us, so it really makes it awesome. Yeah, whenever you hear people talking about the McDonald's video, you know you're with your people. Yeah. And, um, yeah. My, mine was I got a smart TV. I saw John Baptiste Chandelier on the outdoor TV channel a bunch of times doing his yes. free flight stuff. I saw a couple of his videos and finally I, I typed his name into YouTube. One or two of his videos played and, and it rolled over to Tucker. Mm -hmm. It was not the McDonald's video though, it was the Hoover Dam video. And uh, that's where it started for me. And then it wasn't much longer after that. I basically went to Aviator based on Tucker's recommendation, and uh, the rest is history. No matter how good your training is, you can still screw up. So uh, I only had 63 flights. I was at, uh, what, what do you call it, intermediate-itis or something like that, where you're like, you think mm -hmm. you're starting to get good, but you're not. 
beginner intermediate. Yeah, I think it has leg breaking, leg breaking syndrome. <laughs> so I picked two hay, I picked two hay bales that are about that far apart, try to fly between them. So you know, you know, the the sport is as safe as you make it. If you fly, you're not fooling Brian, anybody, Brian. You're not you're not <laughs> fooling anybody. Okay, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get the hay <laughs> between your toes. All right, I get it. Yeah. Well, I was successful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, Brian, mine was the same. It was Jean Baptiste. I was watching all his videos. One yeah. Just, just blown away by all of it. It was just so crazy. And then eventually Tucker came up and Hoover Dam was one of my favorites as well. I'm still there, though, man. I still want to do what John Baptiste Chandelier is doing. I haven't yet to do free flight. I, I, you know, this is this is on my bucket list. You know, I want to go somewhere and fly along the coast and step from fence post to fence post like he does. You know, I saw an interesting um, video on YouTube a while ago back that showed what, how many steps that it took. I don't know where we're getting feedback, but it's, it's throwing me off a little bit. So, okay. Um, basically, it was showing the retakes and retakes and retakes that he had to do to get that perfect for his videos. And it was phenomenal. I mean, some of it's so hard to put into words because it was like he would do it and it just wasn't good enough. Redo it again. Redo it again. Redo it again. Redo it again. Until what, are it was talking, what, are you, what are you talking about? John, uh, John Baptiste Chandler's when he was shooting video footage uh -huh. for some of his videos. Um, there was a, a video, I believe he had posted it of the, like the outtakes of how many times, how many times he had to retry this certain maneuver or this certain thing he was doing at this spot. And it, it, it was just like, Oh, Oh, you know, you, you, oh so he's got to do it again. So you're, you're talking about um, somebody doing a, a video about doing something. He had to do many different takes to get that perfect shot for, for YouTube. No, this was actually John Baptiste Chandler doing what he was, what he does in his videos. But instead of it being like he just does it one time and that's it and everything's just laid out perfectly, it was showing him the struggles that he went through to get to that point, uh, to get yes. it to where it looked Not like that, to where it looks smooth. It looks, exactly. And he's a very skilled pilot. Yeah, even though he's a pro, you know, you still got to get conditions just right, the camera just yeah. the right spot, and the, the lighting just right and everything else that goes with it. And that was exactly it. It was it, the certain times he would do the right thing and it would look beautiful, but the camera was in the wrong angle. Mm. And so you'd have to do it again and reset the set. Like Brian Abel Waller in the background messing up with your B-roll or something like that, man. Sorry, Will. I know I, I was going back and looking at some of my videos and Will sitting there video and trying to make a good video because he makes really good videos. And here comes Brian. Right, 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 right. Talking away. And, uh, <laughs> I screwed up several of your videos. I was going back and watching some. Sorry, man. Sorry, man. I got you back. <laughs> hey, I made a bunch of your videos because of that, too. So it's all good. Yeah, man. You're the star. That's that's what's going on. Hey, I do have a question. Um, and and I, I went back. So we were talking about percentage of whatever, where, where you fall in the range. And I just barely fall within the, I'm at the very low end at the, of the range on the 23 meter but here's my question so if i go with the 21 I'd probably be weighted better 
on the wing, I'll probably be faster, but man, I'm getting some killer. Uh, I'm, I'm using like two and a half liters per hour on the wing that I'm on now. And, and the 23 liter is all I've ever flown. So, I mean, that's pretty much what I'm used to, but I have trouble keeping up with the, the guys on cross countries, you know, who are weighted better on their, their wing. So, huh, I don't know. Two and a half liters per- Two and a half liters per hour. Unbelievable. Be right. On your Moster 185? It is right. I just checked it again tonight. On this flight, Holy I flew for crap. one hour exactly, and it was two and a half liters. So could the wing be that much, make that much of a difference on fuel efficiency? That, well, and, actually, and, that and your prop. What, what prop are you uh, using? Helix? Uh, no, no, I'm using an E-prop uh, uh, 130. You're gentle yeah. on the throttle, Will. That's all I can say. You're gentle on the throttle. That's, yeah. that's exactly what I do. With my Moster 185, I only give, at maximum, half throttle. I don't have to give full throttle, ever. Dude, I burn like my... seven liters an hour. <laughs> what? <laughs> what now? I burn seven? like seven to eight liters an hour on the 20. Would you go up like 10, 10 minutes at a time? or? <laughs> <laughs> Dang, man. Well, he well, flies but you're, heavier. You're flying, and, you're flying a 21. Yeah, so uh, 100%. I think it the wing loading plays a, a huge part in your fuel efficiency. So, well, absolutely. And how you fly. I'm into my wing. And trip settings. I'm on the bottom end of my wing, and I still I get 4.6 liters per hour. I went from about yeah. four to four and a half liters an hour on my Mojo, flying very conservatively to a Spider flying. Uh, like a banshee and uh now i'm burning seven to eight liters an hour uh, See, i'm not very educated i don't i don't speak in liters and kilograms and all that crap i do gallons and pounds because that's the way i was raised so I, I use a gallon and it lasts me an hour i'm good with that you know <laughs> so i think it's four liters to a gallon is that correct right about, 3. Yeah. That's good. okay pretty close yeah so yeah, uh, I, I think that the, the throttle plot, your weight on your glider, the size of your glider, yeah. and the efficiency of your glider. I think that plays a very, and your prop, that plays a huge, huge, huge amount in how much gas you're going to burn. Um, I, 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 I like slow and floaty. I like floaty and boaty. I like to be up in the air and just enjoy the scenery and enjoy what I'm seeing. Yes, I'm the slowest guy out there when it comes to, XE or you know guys flying together they're usually circling me like a bunch of buzzards because I'm just sitting there floaty boaty JP's seen it um you know John <laughs> that was my point earlier when oh, I said, it's nice flying a uh you know a, a slower wing because yeah. it's still enjoyable you get to see all the scenery you're not buzzing by it real quick so yep. it, it's got its place too Hey, real quick, let me grab a, a screenshot, guys. Well, yes, we're all here in our hundred episode. Oh yeah, <clears throat> excellent. Uh, one, one, two, three. <laughs> Perfect. All right, awesome. good deal. Hey, Will, did you ever fly a Charger, or have you always been on the Colorado? No, I started out on the Charger. How did the, they compare? Uh, I love the the Colorado because you know with the two D steering and 
Um, the charger for me was harder to land, but easier to launch. And when I switched over to the Colorado, it was reversed just a little bit. Now that could also be because it was slightly different, you know, and there were some anomalies there that I wasn't quite used to. Um, but uh, I, I absolutely love my Colorado. How did the speed compare? Um, the, the Colorado was a bit more zippier, felt a little, it was definitely a lot more responsive, you know, but the 2D steering made it a lot, uh, a, a lot I have 2D steering on my, on my charger. Yeah, well, you got the charger, what, two? No. You got the regular charger, so you have it tied in? Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, I just have it stowed right now. Like, I can put it with the brake, but I currently just have it stowed in the, I've never used it. Hmm. Oh, this well, reminds me. Something to keep in mind. I just saw on the Facebook thing, a guy was flying low, only using tip steer down low and uh he had some huge oscillations that he could not correct with uh, tip steer in time um just to keep in mind uh, everybody listening so tip steer is not you know not something you want to use when you're flying down low because it doesn't give you the control um that your main brake toggles do was he on speed bar no no i don't think so um uh Total, total, total takeaway from that is don't do maneuvers low to the ground. Amen. Yeah, I don't, I think he just, he, he took a, a tight turn from uh, upwind to downwind and it, uh, his wing surged and he, he couldn't, couldn't save the surge because that's not what uh, your tip tier toggles do. They don't uh, um, control the pendulum like that. And uh, he was too low at the wing dove. And he hit the ground hard. Uh, there was a GoFundMe for him on the, the Facebook group. So and that's a that's a very big and that's a very big no no. You know, flying low downwind. Do not do it ever. Mm -hmm. Do not. No, no good can come of it. Even okay, you might get lucky once or twice. You might get away with it. Sure, you might make it look really good. But flying downwind low, it can it can create a problem <clears throat> that quick. You know, oh, be a motor out. Anything, Sean? Does tip steering actually make the wing drop harder or less than your brakes? It would. You mean, hmm. you mean drop or? Well, steer? you know, like really, if you're flying, I would flying, say less. Less. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, can I would say that. less, but your control is a lot. You, you you're able to. Pendulum yeah. a little easier, but it, it's not depending on what you're doing with your brake as well. If you're using your brake or if you're just using your tip steering, period. Um, okay. I wouldn't suggest doing anything low with your uh. tip steering or or even just being, you know, there's there's a limit. Like, for example, if you listen to acro pilots that are very, very, very experienced guys that have been around for ages, eons, years, what have you. They'll all tell you, you know, listen, it, when, when you're on, you have to be on your game when you're, when you're yeah. doing these maneuvers, when you're doing things, when, when you see a video and you see guys doing things down low, it, it, they've been around a lot longer than you could, could think, you know what I'm saying? Like you see them on YouTube and you're like, oh, wow, he's doing that acro maneuver at what? 500 feet. 
Guys that are very good at acro that have been around acro for a very long time, they have a threshold where this is my cutoff limit, 1,500 feet, no lower than that. If I'm at, if I'm at 1,800 feet, I don't do any acro. I have to be above 3,000 feet or 5,000 feet before I even consider doing anything substantial yeah. with my wing. Here's a, here's a quick question. If you're doing acro, <clears throat> are you doing it with a reserve? And who, and who, and, and who flies with the reserve? Um, anybody in the uh, area right here, did anybody fly with the reserve or not? Fly with does. The reserve? I fly with the reserve. Anybody else? Sometimes I fly with two. Um, in the chat, how many people fly with the reserve? Um, I got a steerable reserve. What kind of reserve do you guys have? I don't. I've no flown without a reserve for years. No reserve but then for again, I don't. I don't do acro. Exactly. I don't fly in turbulent conditions. I watch the weather. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 very particular about it. Um, Anybody else on the panel I, fly with the reserve? I fly with one. I was hey. mad they wouldn't let me fly with one during training, and uh, because that, that was their gear. But the the very first time I flew with my own gear, I had a reserve from then on. Um, and you fly I rarely with fly above five hundred feet, where you're supposed to be above that altitude to deploy it. But it gives me peace of mind. But it's a it's a round reserve. Yeah, non steerable. Okay, I got steerable. You got non steerable. Um, Cole, do you fly with the reserve? No, I never have. Uh, will fly my reserve still in my car okay mark droids yeah i've got a angel square okay uh jp uh yeah round square i have a round square um, do you want, do you want, do you round square yeah it's a it's a square with like rounded corners it's a hybrid that's what they call it it's a real thing okay all right the real thing yeah hybrid uh, um how many how many of the people that have just said yes and fly with the reserve has actually thrown one. JP is the only person I know that flew, that yeah. actually thrown one. Uh, yeah, because in an emergency, I've thrown one at uh, um, at a clinic. Um, anybody else ever thrown one at a clinic or or in real life? No, I had that should be oh, this should be like a badger or a cookie. You know, you get a badger or a cookie for throwing the laundry. You know, I mean, that, that really, I mean, I one, it says you're brave. One, it says you're brave. I got a bill from the repacker. It says you survived it. Yeah, right. Well, you got the receipt to prove it. See, I mean, that's that's a winning in and of itself. You still here, though, JP. You still here, man. So, hey, JP, uh, for Sean. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, yeah, I got to get back to work. Uh, good All talking right, to y'all. Hey, happy 100th episode. Thank you, Andrew. Hey, Have Andrew. a good one, buddy. Good luck, Thanks, man. Merry Christmas. Jump on here anytime you want. Good night, man. Later. Um, I was, I was going to say that I had one almost deploy on me. Um, when I was on the ground, I went through my pre-checks, checked everything was tight. Uh, when I got up in the air, once I get in the air, I always check, sure my, make sure my risers are there, you know, everything's good. Um, and I looked down at my um, reserve and I noticed that part of the handle that hooks in was actually open and the bag started opening a little bit. So um, I landed out right away. Um, and, and luckily, you know, I was able to notice that and fix it. But the weird thing was, is I checked that right before I left and it was, it was intact. It, it was fine. I wonder if one of your lines of caught it on inflation or something. <laughs> 
No, I think it was my throttle cable ah, kind of yeah. pushed up on it because it's side mounted. And I think mm-hmm. that might have popped it out. But I, I, and, I and, and that's the thing too. You know, a lot of guys with, with the training as such, and they don't want want new <laughs> students to fly with reserves. That's the reason why, is because there are numerous things that can happen that are out of everyone's control. And all it takes is at one time for it to inflate or you know, the, the something to pull the wrong way and it's open and now it's getting sucked into the prop and now you got all kinds of spaghettiness yep. going on, you know? I've yeah, seen yeah. that happen to someone on launch where they're yeah. yeah. Mark, so you have your throttle on the same size that you throw and you shoot. Is that correct? Yeah, I do for now. I keep kicking around the idea to put it on my throttle on the left side, but I've never actually done that. I'm a right-handed, so uh, in my mind, I'm thinking it might be trouble, but everyone says that you get used to it after a few flights. Do it. Do it. And it leaves your right hand available to take selfies. Yeah. (laughs) The real reason why we all fly. Exactly. You know, I I totally get I totally get Mark where Mark's coming from because I'm right-handed and I use my throttle on my right hand. I don't mind it. I, I'm used to using my left hand for things too, you know. Um, but I don't fly with a reserve. But if I did, I would put it on my left side just because this hand I like to have full control and function. And motor control yep. and function is all with my right hand. So if I need to yep. flip that throttle a little bit, I have that control. Whereas with this hand. Mm, it might be a second delay, maybe a quarter second. That those seconds sometimes add up, you know. Yep. Why why not have a um a mount right here? You know that it's a flight deck and a reserve that you can. I, you I had that, Sean. Yeah. Uh, on my Parajet that I flew, I actually mounted it in front, and I actually liked that. It, it was kind of a pain to put on every time you got into your harness. Yeah. Right. Then afterwards, uh, but I always kind of liked that because regardless, we you know where gravity is pulling you. You know, you might not be able to reach to your side, but I always felt comfortable that when my reserve was in front that I'd be able to reach it somehow if I needed it. That's also good, too, because if you decide that you want to jump off a mountain, now you can put on your free flight harness. You know, it's like you want to try, you know, your friend's uh, motor. You can put it on your friend's motor. You know, you can. Um, it's very versatile. You can take it. And it also gives you anywhere. a panel to put other things. Um, exactly. We have a reserve there. I mean, I know Brooke Sheffield's got some. A Velcro panel there. He puts uh, radios and other things too. So, absolutely, um, yeah, good stuff. Hey JP, would you be willing to share your uh, toss your toss your laundry um, story? Yeah, I can do that. Um, Please. It happened relatively early in my flying career. I think around 30, 40 hours. Um, I was uh, I was doing what I considered at the time to be heavy acro, which was really just uh, tight turns, you know, um, just like a little, uh, a shallow spiral, like not even putting my wingtip on the horizon. Right. Um, but because I considered it to be dicey, you know, I, I took it up to 3000 feet. It's like we talked about. I, uh, I started it at 3000 and then at, um, I don't know, a few spirals down later, uh, I felt the whole rig kind of jolt. And uh, I was in going right, and then it jolted, and then uh, it threw me into like a left barrel roll, which I was on an A wing, which she doesn't barrel roll, but it did that time. Um, <laughs> one of the lines snapped, and uh, it threw me into a left hand spiral, and uh, I'm pulling opposite brake, and 
trying everything, tr- playing with tremors, you name it, nothing will pull me out of that spiral. And uh, uh, luckily I had uh, telemetry on my phone, uh, fly sky high, and I'm able to go back and look that I threw at just about a thousand feet. And uh, the, the G's, I barely chucked it, but the G's from me spinning, like launched it out sideways and it opened fast, so fast that it ripped uh, the tether from my phone. I ended up dropping my phone in a cornfield from a thousand feet. And uh, I was able to go, go back and find it later on, um, but find my iPhone, which was awesome. But uh, yeah, that's why uh, I'm, I'm big on reserves because in the grand scheme of things, I wasn't really doing anything that dicey. Um, it was uh, equipment failure and could have happened uh, to anyone at any time. And, uh, you know, it's, <clears throat> it goes to, Back to pre-flights, how important pre-flights are. I don't know if that line had possibly been nicked. I think it probably had to have been. To have a you know complete line failure like that is, it's it doesn't happen. So I, I don't know how it did. Um, <clears throat> who knows? But uh, I'm here now. This is something we went over in training: what to do, uh, what to recognize, not to wait too long, um, but to, you know. There's things you can try in the air if you got time. I did that. I had time. I tried what I could. And then uh, I recognized when I was running out of time and uh, knew when to say enough's enough. And that's when I threw it. And I, I hated to do it. It felt like the worst thing in the world at the time, you know, um, just because of that stigma that uh, kind of like I failed or, you know, did something wrong. Um, but AP, how hard did you hit the ground when you came in? Where is it? Uh just a little harder than normal or was it substantially mm. harder? The, the, they say the sink rate rate for that uh, parachute is like five and a half meters per second. Um, it didn't feel that hard. I, I landed in a cornfield, so I don't know if the corn helped cushion it a little bit. Um, I can't imagine it would have been much because corn is planted, you know, relatively far apart. I would have only hit, you know, two or three stalks if you think about it. Maybe it was um, soft. Maybe it was soft. Uh, I think the dirt. ground was pretty soft too. The dirt was soft, which probably. Um, so, so you didn't have any injuries? And zero injuries, not a scratch on me. I did. When you're coming down under reserve, like you're lean back, way back. So I really, I tried to stand it up, but I couldn't because of the, the, you know, the angle that you're leaning. And I did bend my frame just a little bit, but I was able to bend it back. Um, no, no problem few days later after i calmed down the biggest thing was the the tangled mess of uh my glider and reserve you know all together and there's you know ears of corn in my gear i'm finding you know a couple days later on um the husk is everywhere um getting out of the the corn was pretty difficult uh you know luckily i wasn't too too deep in it but but climbing out of the corn with, with your, your motor on you, you know, it's four feet wide. You're hitting, you're just making a trail. And I felt so bad for that and, farmer. And getting your glider out of the corn. Yeah. That oh, is, oh. Uh, yeah. Some, some yeah. guy pulled off the road. He saw me go down, pulled off the road and he comes in the corn and helped me get it out. He pulls out this like 12 inch uh, knife and he's like, you want me to cut you loose? And I was like, ah, no, no. <laughs> We don't need, not necessary. No, um, cut this, cut the stalks, not my lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I, I just see dollar signs when he pulls Did, did he say, that's not a knife, this is a knife? That's not a knife, that's a knife. He was probably a farmer. You know, that's like something that Angela's saying, is using a reserve shameful. It's safety. No, it's not shameful. As a matter of mm. fact, you should be worn like a badge of honor. They should make a t-shirt that says, I tossed the laundry. Mm-hmm. You know, right. because you live. And, and that, that has something to say with the threshold, JP. You know, you weren't doing like any severe acro. You weren't really doing anything strenuous or dangerous, like for the most part. But you kept it at a level where it could be controlled. You had it at a level where you were able to toss your laundry. You were able to safely land. You were able to get out of that area and out of that dangerous situation. Had you have been lower, you would have had less seconds. Mm-hmm. And there would have probably been more injuries, if not worse, mm-hmm. um, just from the this, this sheer velocity that you were dropping, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the takeaway on this one is he had a mechanical failure. You know, yeah. he was just, I mean, if he wasn't doing anything other than just flying straight, it's very possible that could have happened to, you know, to happen to him. So here he is just just flying around, having a good time, and all of a sudden he has a mechanical failure. If he did not have reserve, we may not have been able to talk with him tonight. Um, yeah, I would have I, th- I think at least I would have been you know had a couple broken legs, maybe been paralyzed um, because I was going down quick. Uh, you know it wasn't like a free fall or anything, but it was a, a deep spiral that I was locked in, and which they say is kind of a uh, thing a wings are notorious for is if you um get it into a deep spiral it tends to lock um jp uh, i remember your incident well um and what surprised me was the fact that the line broke now that's what i said yeah that's why i think it had to have been damaged in some way i mean everyone else on the panel would agree with me I, i haven't heard of any other lines breaking but you know you guys Play with it all the time. You may have heard of it, but you did say that possibly, you know, previously that the line may have gone through the prop. So you don't know, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't check it. But do, do you think perhaps that's what the problem was? I think it was very likely that it had gotten nicked. Yeah. And the sheathing um, was probably damaged. Uh, the thing yeah. about these lines is any one of our lines are pretty much capable of supporting our entire body weight so the yeah. fact that there's 30 of them they, they shouldn't be breaking um so it i think 100 percent it had it would have had to have been uh i don't yeah, know I think it's on a, some gear or the full like said, but, it's a question, mechan- but a question mechanical but a question there though on that wing were, were you heavily weighted on it mm, no it was a 28 28a wing oh, okay yeah. yeah. Okay. What wing was it? In Sean, Sean, that was it's your Pegasus that it happened on your blue Pegasus. Yeah. Twenty-eight meters. Same wing. Was that? Well, it wasn't my specific wing. It was like my wing, the same yes. color. Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, it was <laughs> nice a thirty wing. meter. It was a thirty. Was it meter. a new wing, JP? Yeah. Uh no, no. It was like a loner wing from uh, the school I was training at. So hours unknown, which. Mm. You know, Cole had a Cole had a um, Cole had a question. Cole, yeah, I just was curious what wing it was, and you just answered that and how old it was. Yeah, Pegasus two. Um, 
probably only you know within six months old probably uh less than 100 hours i would i would assume where did the line break jp uh <clears throat> at the important spot yeah was it, at, was, it at, was it at a million was it in the middle middle of the line was it no, at the... it was probably uh maybe six feet from the the carabiner somewhere like that oh. So mid-line, basically, it snapped. Probably about propeller length away. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> so you said it was six months old, but I thought you just said it was from a flight school or something. Right. Well, it was Previous. their loaner wing. Yeah, so right. I don't know how long it had been in the cycle for, gotcha. for their students. You know what I mean? So that, that's just kind of a guess. Yeah, because there could have been like a knot in there that – broke it or something mm -hmm. I mean, yeah not just yeah not to make wing make the strings uh the lines weaker yeah oddly enough larry if you're talking to us you're on mute buddy larry you're on mute i see your mouth moving i don't know if you're talking to us or talking to somebody else so i see larry talking i don't know if he's talking to somebody else yeah uh, him too. i don't know here we go okay. sorry about that I had a question for you. After the wing, you had the incident. Thank God you're okay, by the way. Um, was Did anyone check the rest of the wing and see were the other lines in, still in spec or were the lines bad or did anyone – or whatever I'm happened to really the wing? Did it, I'm not it, really sure what happened after that because I returned it to okay. um, the, the school. I would assume he replaced <laughs> the line and put it back in to uh to use because i didn't hear anything else about it after the fact um yeah what about honestly, interesting to, to, to hear i, I think i think it was a loaner to the school from uh, okay. in to be honest with you so he probably just sent it back to his dealer um his gin dealer for this region of the you know the states i i don't know what they did with it to be honest with you I would It'd be interesting to see if those other lines were in spec, or if that was, like you said, yeah. was it one next line? Or were, right. you know, I've heard I've heard some gliders lately have had problems. I don't know if it's from the pandemic where they've, uh, I forgot who I was talking to. Was it, was it Brooke Sheffield? Someone had a glider that was a year old, and the lines were breaking already. Oh, the webbing. Doing it. Yeah, uh, was it the webbing? I thought okay, I thought it was. I lines. saw something on the Facebook page about webbing too. on a a carve, a gin carve. But uh, it turned out that the trimmers were routed wrong in a way that oh. put stress on the webbing unnecessarily. Gotcha. Chris Santa Croce chimed in on that thread. Okay. Um, and uh, I think Jin replaced the risers at no cost. Um, and, and then Chris said, hey, you know, your, your trimmer is supposed to go around this, not like that. And okay, uh, that's what that I think was. That, that was that, yeah. Okay. A lot of guys yeah. were chiming in on that thread saying that they needed to replace the whole wing. And yeah. but I think that, that was before Chris chimed in on with the information. And that just goes to show, read your instruction manual. You know, it's, uh, sure. it's when you get a new wing, it's uh, extremely important. Also stuff about, you know, or can you use, uh, can you use brakes on bar? Can you use brakes um, at different positions with your trimmers? Mm -hmm. Um you know, how to use the, the speed bar safely. There's so many different things that differ from wing to wing. Um, so I'm, I'm very uh, 
firm in reading the manual, even though, you know, it's something that we all, you know, after a couple hundred hours, you kind of take for granted that a wing's a wing, but never hurts to be over-informed. Pre-flight is A manual? Important. What's what's that, a manual? I've bought two brand new wings now, and I haven't got the first manual yet. Now you get a thumb drive, right? I didn't even get a thumb drive. You can get a thumb drive? I think there's a piece of paper with a link or something like that. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's super goofy. You spend four thousand dollars and they can't send you a little booklet. I know, yeah. right? Sometimes, sometimes you can go to their website and download the manual. That's what I do. Website. That's what I do. I know. I'm just I read kidding. them all the time. Yeah, slow days in the chat said I got five lines replaced tonight after a prop strike. Um, Mad Sloper said laser line inspections are two hundred and seventy-five dollars. John, did you uh, you replace your own lines? You just send it out. Who me? Yeah, um, I ended up uh, not replacing them and just letting that wing uh, be part of my school, so the, the the kids get to mess with it and play with it and tear it up, and I don't care. I mean, uh, it would have been seven hundred dollars to replace all the lines and uh, have it inspected. Um, I personally, when it comes to the lines, I know that if you tie the lines wrong, um, your uh, it could be like 30% less strength if you tie the line wrong. And uh, when it comes to this thing, the, this bed sheet with strings coming down that's holding me safe in the sky, um, I... I I trust the professionals. I don't want, I'll replace a brake line because that's not really bad. And I can reach back and, and grab D's and, and land if I need to. But, you know, when it comes to the A lines, you know, and B lines, so that's what's holding all of your weight, basically, especially if you use, if you let your trims out and, and uh, push your speed bar. I want the professionals to touch my, my, my lines. I, I don't want to touch it. it. It scares the crap out of me. Um, they found out, remember that uh, paraglider that we lost out in the desert? Um, they found out after inspecting his gl glider that he repaired a you know, one of the lines and it was tied wrong. So it snapped when he got in uh, cloud suck or when he came down and it opened back up and it snapped that line. Um, that's one of the reasons why I'll never do my own lines. I'll, I'll have it sent out for $175 uh, a year and they can replace it for $20 a, a line. Um, I, I, that's, that, that's, that's my life. I, I, I don't know. It, it's like JP's thing, you know, it's like one line snapped and you know, something horrible could happen. So um, uh, who, who replaces their own lines and who has it sent out? I have, have I always have mine sent out. Anybody I replace my lines? own lines. I always I re have. Yeah, same here. I do mine. Okay. I've replaced, I I've replaced a friend's lines. I've helped a friend replace a line before. And it is very, you, you want to be meticulous about it. Yes. You know, you don't, you, it needs to be exactly as you took the other one off. And yeah. if it's not, then it's not right. You right. need to have it right. I fly. Yep, I fly Mac para wings, and they always have really good line schematics. Um, so it's really easy to to make sure that you're ordering the correct line and the way you put them on. And that's the thing too with the manuals, with those manuals that you that you can get on the websites and such. They have those schematics specifically, so you can get down to the bottom of I need this, I don't need that, and I don't need that. Right. You know. 
you know, no like John said, it's 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 really important that you put it on the same way that the old one came off. Uh, I think one of the more challenging thing is with all the lines hanging around, you know, your wings probably, you know, hanging or something like that is to make sure you don't interweave the line through another line that it shouldn't be going through. So exactly. uh, John's point, it's really important you, t- you put it on the way you, you took the other one off. But, it's it's an know, advanced skill. It, once you do and, it a couple of times, it's, it's really simple. And with it's some wings, it can be kind of finicky and funky because uh, there are extra lines that may not be on a typical glider, like say single skins. Some single skins have an additional line that goes from the brake to the tips that after right. so far you pull, then it affects you know, the actual brake. And, and if you pull so much, it's, so it's like tips and then tips and brake, you know? Um, with those systems, sometimes you have a line that comes up and you can have a line wrapped on the inside. One line will be on the outside. One line will be on the inside. And you'd be like, man, that doesn't look right, but it feels okay, but it's not right. It it's very be- possible that those lines could rub and start sawing themselves in the middle exactly. of the flight, too. And it could be as simple as you bought a wing from a friend or you, you bought a glider and you think that everything's set good. It's it's not an old wing. It's not a new wing. It, it's been flown, blah, blah, blah. You get it out. You kite it. You ground handle it. And everything works fine. But you notice this one thing that's really driving you nuts. And the fact that it, this one brake line has a twist. Well, that brake line had been replaced. And maybe you didn't know about it. And maybe whoever replaced that line put it on differently than the way it came off and you got to watch out too when it comes to uh, brake lines because some people will shorten the brake lines but if you let the trims all the way out and you push speed bar now those lines are going to start pulling on your wing and collapse as soon as you start pushing your speed bar because they're not set to the exact standard so you got to be really really careful i haven't had to replace any lines yet um i've only clipped three with my prop and uh, when I tied them in a knot and put them back together, it flew just fine. That's a joke. Everybody that's listening, that's a joke. That's a joke. I had like with kiting. lines tied in knots. So That's like yeah. actual kiting. You know, with actual kiting line, they use dynamia. They also use spectrum lines. And the in the kiting world of, of kites, it's known that where it's not the knot where the string is the weakest. It's just at the knot, yeah. right where that knot sits. That's where it's at its weakest on both points. And that is where the weakest link of that line is. So that's I, why I they have the anybody. That's why they have the millions of the way they have them. That rubber thing that goes around it. I mean, it's all set there to make sure that um, you are safe. And when you're flying it, when you're flying up there, you don't want any of those lines to snap. I I can't even imagine being in JP Tulo's uh, um, seat when that happened. I can imagine probably pretty smelly. All that spinning and stuff. Uh, I, uh, I don't know. It, like I said. it terrified me to fly under a bed sheet with a bunch of strings, man. When I went to training, I was like, am I really going to be comfortable? Because I flew with my dad in fixed wing. You know, we had a little bit more robust systems holding us up. And uh, I was just not sure I was going to be comfortable with it. I got a background in, in engineering. And when I found out that 
the bigger part of every one of those riser lines, the A, Bs, and Cs, will hold a thousand pounds. I'm like, okay, yeah, we're we're good. Yeah. You know, I saw I saw videos was like four people hanging from one line, and uh, I was like, okay, yeah, I, you know, we're we're, we're good now. <laughs> when they when they failed my Roadster three, um, I I you know used it for like two or three hundred hours. Uh, that first year when I sent it in, um, they failed the line. So what they do is they take one of the A lines and they put it on the machine and they pull it and they know um, when it breaks, how much pressure was exerted on it. And um, mine failed because it went under um, 300 or 400 pounds per, per, for that one line. So, yeah. so it was only able to hold, you know, 400 pounds. So... If you think about it, that's still a lot of weight that that thing could hold. And uh, what was it supposed to fill at? Do you know? Um, six or eight. That's the one that I did a lot of acro, and uh, you know, I really pushed my limits with it. And that's something too. I brought that. I bought that brand new in 2019. At the end of the year, it failed. So you can get a brand brand new from a used wing from somebody that's still crispy, you know, still has the box, still has a, everything still nicely packaged um, uh, with it. But you go out and fly it and you try to do something a little bit heavier, a little bit uh, more heavier acro, you could snap a line and be in a situation like JP Tulo. I always will recommend get yourself training get yourself a brand new wing get it inspected yearly or the amount of hours that it says to get it inspected and always carry a reserve all right so the number one tip coming from the 100th anniversary show here it is don't buy your used wing from an acro pilot that's true <laughs> yep that's true hey, or somebody that or somebody that um uh is very heavy with a trike you know, Sean, I um, like um, the the clip. I think you put it out, or someone did. I'm sure everyone's seen it by now. Is uh, the manufacturing of the ripstock uh, from the late 1929 or something when they started? And um, yeah, the manufacturers, uh, the technology that they've put into that material. Uh, great vlog. If no one's seen it, uh, pull it up. Um, that is a good one. I just saw yeah. that. Yeah. And when you see that and you see what goes into ma manufacturing the material, the start of our par uh, our wings, um, yeah, it's a great insurance uh, for technology where it's come so far. On the other hand, Sean, I'd like to congratulate you on uh, Show 100. It seems only yesterday. Uh, makes me feel older to know it's two years ago. <laughs> but uh, to all the panel, uh, thank you guys, Sean, for putting on the platform. Uh, here in Australia, we have nothing like it. And so, yeah, congratulations, sir. Well, thank, thank you very much, Walter. Yeah. Thank you, and Walter. One more yeah. thing, if we uh, add another legend, is we'll fly... Um, the last one you did with uh, Mr. Rochetta and the Para family. Uh, what can I say? You had me in tears, mate. I, I just love everybody. And putting that together, sir, before Christmas, 
Uh, I'd like to congratulate you, Wolfly, because you're a you're a legend. <laughs> Thank you. Walter. And a two and a half. And a oh, two wow. and a half. Oh wow! You call him a legend? Oh gosh! Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's going to blow up now. An hour on fuel burn. Um, I'll get back to that, uh, Will, because I say your flying pattern would be just straight and level, which there's your economy. The other guys that are on seven, eight litres, they're just heavy-footed up and down, I can imagine. And yeah. there's your fuel burn. <laughs> Mr. Waller. Um, That's me. Yeah, and I think Will, uh, being coming come from the ADCC, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Will, but I'd say you're very light on that throttle going up and uh, in your cruise mode. And I say you, you, you're level flying. I, I don't see you doing a lot of up and down, which uh, to me, that's where your fuel burn is. I know myself with my PPC, I burn 18 litres an hour and that's climbing up and down and, you know, mucking around. Uh, but if you fly level, your fuel economy comes lo a lot lot further back. And uh, to achieve two and a half litres, so congratulations. And I say to everyone else, uh, try and do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I brought that topic up at, at a few shows back when I first got the, the Mozter. I don't know if you remember that. I was talking about how, you know, is that normal for a moster? But um, and thank you, Walter, for that. But I'm just a regular guy who loves to fly, and that's that's that that's how I see myself. So, anyways, but Sean, um, the A line that you said they tested the A line, right? Right. They they test the A line, they break it, and then they replace it for free. That well, they replace it as part of the $175 yearly inspection. Okay, so they test the A line. The A line broke. So they just automatically assume all the other lines fail, or if the A line passes, they assume all the other lines pass. Is that kind of? I, 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 I assume that's what it is. They also do the porosity test and they check everything else. Um, you know, they do a they do a lot of stuff. I mean, it's just not, you know, snap a line and go, okay, that's good. You know, they go through everything, every cell, um, every every inch of that thing. And if there's anything wrong, even a pinhole that you don't even know that there's a pinhole, you know, they'll say, hey, you got a pinhole, we're going to patch it. It's only, you know, a buck. Okay. Um, or, or look, you got a big, you know, um, three foot gash in your uh, thing that's covering three different panels. It's going to cost you 20 bucks and we'll repair all of it. So, huh. well, I guess that makes sense because the A line would take the most stress, right? Yeah, so. that's right. That's, that's my, my thoughts too, Will, is it's basically the A's hold most of the load. So they're going to test the A's. Uh, if the A's pass, the rest of them are good. If the A's don't pass, well, maybe the rest of them aren't bad, but they probably assume they're all bad. You just need a line change. Yeah. Or the other lines behind it have to take up the slack that I, I don't know. I mean, but it, it does make sense. If an A line goes, that's a frontal and uh, you better, you better be able to, uh, to toss your laundry. Um, JP, I know that you got your hand up. You, you need to say something, bud. Question in the chat uh, from Clark's video. Uh, what do you guys th think of how much of the 4,000, what does it, what does it actually cost to make a wing is what his, uh, question was. It costs 4,000, but if it costs 4,000, how much do you think it actually costs them to make it? Probably about 1,500 being on the accounting side. That's about what the margin would be. 1,500 yep. or 4,000 yep. wings. 
Yeah, my, my wings are ozone. We buy it from Europe, but it's made in Vietnam, I think. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's just like economies of scale. They, I mean, they don't make a if they don't make a lot of them, they're going to be more expensive. But right. I think most of these are outsourced to countries where, you know, textiles are. Yeah, I'd say it depends because if you really think about it and you break it down to each and every little level, I mean, those needles, after you, after so many holes that you're poking in fabric, you're going to have to replace that needle. You're going to have to replace that thread. You're going to have to replace, you know, the workers, the hours. Well, it's, it's on a big hour. boat that's crossing the ocean. They have taxes and tariffs. The R&D yeah. to design you the wing in the first place. For research and development, too. Yeah. yeah. And, people have, and people have to make money. Yeah, and that's kind of like 4, I paid four thousand for my wing. I know through other dealers that that wing would have cost a dealer like thirty two hundred. Uh-huh. So I mean, I mean, everybody's making money along the way. The people uh-huh. that transport it probably it may cost them a thousand dollars to make that four thousand dollar wing somewhere in there. The but, top of the line, the top of the line ripstop is made in, um, I think, North or South Korea. <clears throat> And the other manufacturer is Germany, which most of the the wing manufacturers, I believe, use. And and they go back to the German one, even though the other material is better. Um, but a lot of the wings are made in 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 Taiwan and and places like that. And they do use this new, better type material that is made in Korea. Um, uh, sorry, Taiwan. And uh, yeah, so a lot of the manufacturers are really tied to the the tensile, uh, the, the, the weavers which make the material. So r- really, there's only two types of material that everyone uses, um, which is you know the technology has come so far. Uh, the shoots really, apart from from the image that we do, they don't really rip or anything like that. So it, it is the lines that uh, hold us up. Um, but, yeah, like everyone says, one line would, would carry the weight of the whole vehicle. Yeah, when it come, and also let's go back to, to the cost of a wing. Um, they buy in bulk, you know, bulk lines, yeah. bulk, you know, sheets of fabric. And they have huge facilities, you know, that they're stringing these things up on. If you had $1,500 there's no way you could find the material and uh, make a wing yourself with the amount of you know what they're spending on one wing. And of course, like you said, they got to pay everybody all the way down the line to, to do it. And, and they're playing, if it's certified, they have to pay for that certification. It's not yeah. awarded to them. A big part of it. Yeah. yeah. That's a Paramotor podcast. They had the guys on there. They had Dudek and they also had Ozone on there and they explained the cost of that. It's like ten, fifteen thousand dollars a wing. Just to get the certification. Yeah. Yeah. And we got people here from multiple countries. We got Australia, Canada, United States here. Uh, I think most of us are patriotic. We would like to buy something that is made in our country. Um, I'm not flying anything made in my country. <laughs> well, it probably want... costs twenty thousand dollars to. No, to make yeah. a wing. no, I'm not saying I don't want to. I do want to. I just there's none of it's made here. You know, there's there's you know none of the motors are made here. Bitterasi, you know, 
Um, there's a few frames made here in the U.S. Uh, I don't know of any wings. I, I think I heard of one. Um, Super well, Dale. You do gotta, you do gotta admit though, Brian. If you know you were to buy a Harley Davidson paramotor, that would be pretty costly in just parts. I'm just saying because it has no, Harley Davidson on it. <laughs> that's that's my example, man. I love motorcycles and I love crotch rockets, and there's not a good U.S. manufacturer of sport bikes. You know, you know, if there was, that's where I put my money if it was competitive, but there's not. So the things that we want in this sport are pretty much for all of us made in another country. See, that's what we need to do. We need to hit JP up and be like, hey, JP, look, we need a Napa auto parts paramotor. All right. Yeah, that's that's something Napa we knows hear how. all the time, though. We get guys coming in saying, uh, you know, I want to buy the parts that were made in America. And yep. unfortunately, most of the parts, even the good ones, are not made in America. Everything is made overseas anymore. And it's just mm-hmm. it's just the industry. That's where the paradigm is shifting. With, well, with, and that's the thing with the cheap, you know, it, you could spend $200 and get a wallet and it lasts you a lifetime, or you could spend $20 a thousand times because you went to Walmart, the same wallet that everybody else has made out mm-hmm. of the same baloney leather that's fake. You know, it just depends, you know, what are you willing to spend? You know, well, there it's you unfortunate, go. There's, but it's true. There's, there's market opportunity right there in the United States. If you can build a motor that is as good as other manufacturers for a competitive price, you can dominate the market in the United States. I'm sure somebody's tried. Don't forget product liability. That's the reason a lot of the stuff is made overseas. They have different laws. They can bring a product here, and they're not really governed by our laws as far as product liability. So they have a built-in advantage that way. Yeah. Um, and also in the States, you guys have a lot of tariffs on things that if yep. you wanted to bring in Canadian lumber or the Canadian metal or all these different things, it's tariffs. And yeah. Actually, California just made it illegal to have gas powered lawnmowers and weed eaters and stuff. So, in, in, my, in my defense, in my defense, I fly can goop, Jim. Just saying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, that's a frame, right? not a more yeah yeah that's and true wow it, that's cool like actually that's this is a big problem at the moment apparently with the auto industry and where it's being shifted to uh, supposed to be electric well apparently the majority of the parts for the auto industry are made here and so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens so- <laughs> I don't want to boast everybody, but Italians have been good in small engines for their their whole uh, career uh, in motorbikes, scooters, etc., etc. <clears throat> and unfortunately, Americans, if you talk 500 cubic inch, uh, yeah, they make some good engines up that end. Um, yeah, small engines, uh, the European market, mainly uh, uh, Italy. Uh, is good on uh, small motors. And it Austria, make- road tax is made. Uh, well, that's right. Uh, any European country, and it's been because they've paid uh, $2 plus a litre for 40 years. So uh, a litre, that's $8 a gallon approximately, uh, USAans. Um, 
Yeah. So that's, that's uh, you know, they've been good on little engines, what can I say, whether it's go-karts, uh, uh, air flying machines, uh, whatever. And um, unfortunately, petrol, everyone's got the uh, idea that oil's going to finish, but uh, I, I, I can't see it as long as uh, my uh, butt points to the ground. <clears throat> they'll never stop oil. Well, you know, I, cool I love to see wearing. What's that, Will? I was just asking Walter what that cool shirt he was wearing was. Oh, Dragon Campus. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize great, that. Great shirt, very comfortable. Feels rather uh, nice, girls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. Great uh, company. I'd like to. Uh, I used to tow caravans for part of my life, Sean. So uh, it's a it, it's a dear uh, dear logo to me with the caravan on the front. It is pretty Ken. cool. Um, unfortunately, I think that he's going to stop doing that. Yeah, look, I I did it for many years. I actually trained people how to tow. A lot of people have no idea how to tow a. We, you guys call them tag-alongs, but uh, <clears throat> over here they're called caravans. And um, some people got no idea even how to reverse, and it, it used to astound me, you know, how people uh, travel all over our country and, and don't know how to reverse a, a caravan. And I'm thinking, like, you can't even put it into my park, let alone reverse up a street somewhere if you, if you right. need to. Uh, yeah, I've trained people to tow caravans and reverse and park and all that sort of stuff. Well, hold we on to that shirt because that's a classic now. It'll never be made again. Yeah, my brother was involved in uh, building caravans and we built big units. And, uh, yeah, we had to teach people how to, to tow and, uh, you know, manoeuvre these things. And I got that part of it to do on uh, <clears throat> training young people how to do it and older people, and I quite enjoyed towing all over the country uh, myself uh, and done a lot of a lot of towing. So Dragon Campers, a uh, great name, uh, and there are people that do it here, uh, same as your son, Sean. So. All right. Like I said, um, he's not going to do it, and I don't know what he's going to do with the, the dot-com and that uh, that shirt. They're not printing any more shirts, so that's a classic. Hold on to it because, you know, it's going to be worth, you know, a billion dollars in a couple of years. Thank you, um, and Brian. <laughs> but uh, Brian Haybill, real quick, um, what do you know about the two-stroke motor um, ban in California? I know that everything that, that was there before is grandfathered in. But the new 2022, like motorbikes and stuff like that, are not legal. Um, yeah, the, the articles I read basically says they're not they're going to ban new sales uh, with these type of gear. So if you've already got it, then you can use it. It's my impression. Um, but I don't live in California, I'm from Alabama. We have basically the opposite laws. So, but before we move on uh, with talking about engines, um, you know, we talk about different manufacturers. <sighs> You know, Honda uh, Motor Company makes some great engines. They make some great motorcycles. I've had several of them over the years. I've considered what it'd be like to take in a, a, a motorcycle engine and make a paramotor out of it. 
And I just know that somebody somewhere high up in the past 15 years has approached Honda and talked to them about making a, a, a paramotor engine. And uh, I mean, does anybody on this panel know anything about that? I know we had Noah Rochetta on here last week. Um, we've had some other names and I just wonder if, if there's somebody that we can reach out to to talk to about getting to um, manufacturing that. I think it has been brought up. And I think that the response basically from these companies is, is that we don't feel that the investment would be profitable because the, the low amount, you know, the turnover rate on cars all day long. People buy cars, they need cars. How many people need a paramotor? I mean, do you really need a paramotor? You can fly without a paramotor. It comes know. back. Sorry, it comes back to that one cylinder again. Now, uh, as a two-stroke, the horsepower, the uh, really what you you can achieve out of that one cylinder, you won't achieve it in a four-stroke. In a four-stroke, basically, it's got to be twice the size. Hence, That's what I heard. <clears throat> it's the weight. You can make more power with a, with a four-stroke, but you're going to be a bigger engine. It has to be almost double the size to produce the same horsepower. Um, getting back to two-strokes, uh, we, we are banned here. I'm not sure about over there. You can't have a two-stroke marine engine anymore. If in you've California? Got a, no, this is in Australia. Oh. You can... You cannot buy a two-stroke marine engine anymore. It's the same way in the U.S. Can you buy it used? If you've got one, you can keep using it, but you cannot buy a new two-stroke engine. So no you more. can't you can't sell it then either. It sounds like. Uh, yeah, yeah, you could, you, you could, but uh, you know, if that engine needs to be replaced or parts, you won't probably won't be able to even get parts. So they force you to buy a four-stroke engine. Um, so Walter, what about a rotary engine? How do you think that would wait? Uh, no, even though, um, um, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Uh, in England um, makes the Parajet. Um, they, they make a rotary engine, and it has been used in a paramotor. For the uh, Everest flight, didn't they? Over 32,000. Kilo, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, no. What's his name? Jilo. Jilo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He, he's invented a rotary, which is, and it has been used for, uh, paramotor quite successfully, like I said, to 32,000 feet. Um, it must have had fuel injection on it to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but as, as a rotary, as a real engine, rotaries need a lot of RPM. So therefore, because uh, they don't make torque down low, they make horsepower, but it's all in RPM. So you'd need a lot of reduction on gearbox yeah. or you, you, yep. you, you, you know, bring the prop, bring the engine speed back to your prop. Reduction. Yeah, but I think I think like ultimately the, the reason why we don't have more motors available and such is because there, it, it's a niche. 
such a fine niche. There, how many pilots are there in North America total? Those that are documented and undocumented. <laughs> there aren't that many. I mean, they're they're really when you think about it in these other countries where paragliding is predominant, like France, Spain, well, worldwide, worldwide, you know, though, it'd be uh, it'd be in the millions. You know what I mean? Well, uh, worldwide, yes. But what what I'm meaning is, is from That's, like a a standpoint of manufacturing, though. One, you have to make a plant. Two, you have to be able to produce the product and three you have to be able to make the sales to be able to to yeah. warrant that expense that you put into that's making true. all this stuff you know that's that's where the problem really lies is am i going to make a profit off of this or is it going to cost me money to make something yeah but if i could make an engine <clears throat> let's say a four stroke and it could come in on the weight of let's say a vitarazi it'll never happen because it, it just can't be done Really, the answer is electric. I hate to say it. When it comes to paramotor, the electric motor is the ultimate. The only thing is the battery. I agree. 100%. It's right around the corner. 100%. I I agree. I I cannot wait. I'm a mechanical guy. I put an airplane engine on a bicycle when I was 12 years old. I am, mark my words, I am going to take a motorcycle engine that has five-speed transmission, and I'm going to put it on a paramotor. And you're going to, I'm going to be the first person, I'm going to be the first person you hear in the air going, Kawasaki. (laughs) Mark my word. I don't see why not. It's ruining your uh, sponsorship from Honda, then, uh, (laughs) the about. Honda's only three syllables. Sorry, man. I got to have more three years. <laughs> well, I think electric is, we are at the embassy of, of yeah. where elect, electric will go. Okay. Basically, I've seen this in the uh, RC airplane industry. When mm-hmm. they went from the old school gassers, where they were using the nitrous gas to run their Nitro, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Um, The fuel, they went from fuel to electric. And then it was brushed motors. Then it went to brushless. The second went to brushless. That was when I was like, hmm, they're going to start making this stuff bigger. And when they do, oh, it's on. And they are. Now, it's at its infancy stage, which means it's very, it just, we're at the cusp of it. We really don't understand it completely because we haven't spent enough time playing with this crap yet. But it, it here pretty soon, I would say within the next five years, maybe eight, um, we'll have a lot more stuff readily available to us in the electric paramotor field. You know, due yeah. to the technology and the tests being ran on the, the motors and such. Uh, I think it will be costly. <clears throat> I think that the batteries are going to be one of the major setbacks for all of us until we have better uh, battery. Um, I, I don't need the, the mechanics behind the, well, the, Energy like for density. example, lithium ion, lithium uh, polymer batteries. Um, they have uh, now they have lithium carbon batteries. Um, they, they've got a whole lot of, of newer technologies coming out that are, that's going to be better altogether. 
but it's going well, to take time to get yeah, this out to the market. It definitely work well on a trike. I mean, you know, if you have a trike, you can add more batteries. You can fly longer. Yep. Well, that's the sure. thing. You know, with the more battery, the more weight. And that's what you really have to worry about is, you know, sure, your battery will weigh. And this is the thing. When you have gas, you have a full tank of gas on your back. But by the time you land, it's probably about empty. Or right, that's close to empty. Five, five gallons is like 30 pounds. But now yeah. your battery, on an empty battery, it weighs just as much as it did full. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was very lucky. I was able to, to test flight a, um, an electric paramotor. And I normally fly a Moster 185, right? And this paramotor, the SP140, I think it is, the, the open PPG, it had more power than my Moster 185. I mean, it, it took me, I, I, I cranked it and I was like, like this, almost going straight up. I'm like, this is insane. I've never had that much power, even with the Moster 185. It kind of felt like a, a 200 plus, if, yeah. if it's an actual a cylinder size. Sure, and I'll uh, get back to the batteries. <clears throat> even the SP140 at, at, at $2,500 the battery, now, if you look at the... Uh, 1800 1800 whatever. Uh, whatever the top price is. If you look at it, and now the Tesla cars, which I'm sure the batteries that are in the SP140 would be equivalent, if not better than that. Uh, to a Tesla? You, yes, the Tesla batteries, they use the same, the 2200s or whatever it is, the single unit battery. Mm -hmm. Now... He's gotten 10, 12 years out of his battery packs, okay? And you can, you can look it up. It's fat. The first cars are still going on the same battery. Now, that unit in the SP140, let's say it does the same, okay? Even at 2000 bucks, that's only 200 bucks a year if you could get that life out of that battery. The motor will last that long for sure. Okay, even if it does have a hiccup, but on general, it's only three moving parts. The controllers actually, uh, uh, Sean uh, Nasca, uh, is proven today. We, we can buy, I can buy a unit that I can put on my PPC and get a controller to control it uh, right now. Uh, you can buy whatever size motors, kilowatts and mount it on whatever you want and do the same yourself if you wanted to. It's out there. It's available. So really speaking, even the battery, the only thing, as you said, that weight is all the time, whether it's full or empty, you've got that weight on your back. So in the future, I believe those battery weights will come down by half and there's, there's issues solved. Or, yeah. or, you know, as, as, you're, as, as it goes likely. empty, as it goes empty, you, you flip over to the next one and then you drop that one down with a parachute. Yeah. Well, more, more than likely, there, there are a lot of fail states that have to be met to as measures. Like, for example, it's not suggested for one to fly in rain or through fog or through clouds. But if, say, you were in the air and your electric paramotor happened to get a splotch or two of maybe misty rainwater, or you happen to be near a cloud system that happens to be forming the moisture by that motor. And with flying the electric planes, and especially a little bit of mist, a little bit of moisture, 
you notice it has a little of a ta 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 nature to it. And that is scary because when you get moisture in that motor or and you don't have fail safes, safes put into place, which there are fail safes for electric paramotors that are out there. Yeah. And there's there's a ton of them, a ton of sensors and a tons of things of electronic wattage doodads, think of a jigs that make the doohickey go wah. But that's that's the thing that's kind of holding this all back, kind of is that technology that the time to test it, the time to set it up, you know, the, and yes, it is out there, but it is not readily available at the moment for say, Will fly wants to fly. Sean wants to fly. JP wants one. Cole wants one. Mark wants one. I want one. And Jim wants one. It's the same day we go order. Is it going to be ready? Most likely not. That just, that (laughs) that, what you just said, just, you know, came across like, okay, how about foot dragging? What happens if I had a motor out, went into the water, you know, um, with a two stroke, you know, you just dry it out and go again, you know, just change out the spark plug with a, with an electric paramotor, you drop into some water. And, uh, I think it seemed that'd probably be some serious damage. Better have a fuse or you're going to have a fire. Mm-hmm. fire and that's water. another thing. That you know, Mark, thing Mark actually started a, on fire. And well, and this is another dangerous situation that people aren't really addressing the thought either. Is for example, you're laid out, you're ready to take off. Excellent. You get a nasty thwack. Maybe perhaps you get a gust and you get plucked. All right, you're flying backwards, you land in a turtle, and the propeller breaks. And guess where that propeller goes? Right into the battery. Now you have a lithium fire that cannot be put out with water. No, I've seen the way that this one was done. There's no way that it could um, puncture. Actually, well, that's one of the fail-safes that I'm referring to then. Because those things, if there aren't a fail-safe in place, it would start a fire and be a very dangerous situation for anyone around or anything, you know? Exactly. Um, So, Cole, Cole, what were you saying about the fire, Cole? Uh, Mark actually started on fire up in the air. He can tell you. Yeah, I was about a 1,000 feet AGL up in my my, uh, starter battery, which was a LiPo. Uh, it was a brand new battery too. And um, I, I think it was rubbing on the frame, the vibrations or something like that is the only thing I could think of. And it shorted the cell out and it started on fire. And I, I looked behind me and I just saw billowing smoke. And uh, then I started, well, actually I started feeling my back getting warm. That's what prompted me <laughs> to, to look yeah, behind those, me. So, those lithium are a different form of pack and are da- can be dangerous. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I can tell you it wasn't any fun being up there. <laughs> yeah, and we, we talked about that. We talked about that on um, on on the podcast, right, Mark? Yeah, show fifty four. Yep. So, yeah, so back I, to I show fifty four. Yeah, if I remember correctly, you were at about thousand feet, maybe less, and and your friends were watching you on the ground, thought you were just spiraling down, having a good right. time. Yeah, and yeah, uh, that was you were actually trying hilarious. to get on the ground as quickly as. You were coming out of your harness when you're coming in for your landing, right? I was starting to unbuckle as I was coming close down, yeah, because I wanted to get out of that thing as soon as possible. Yeah, I can, you, feel, you the, I can feel the heat. It was melting my harness. My the video was taken like five minutes afterwards, and it showed the battery just smoking like mad. That, the, that video was 20 minutes after, and it was still smoking. Okay. Yeah. My instructor lost all of his equipment, all his school equipment, everything, due to one of those starter batteries. Wow. Burnt his trailer right down. Fire scares me. I, it, it's not just batteries. 
uh, I was at a training lately and uh, a guy sat too early on takeoff and he slammed the bottom of the frame into the ground, broke the prop, and then the prop broke the tank, cut through the, the fuel tank, and he stayed in the throttle. And it, you can see from the video, just spewed out this long line of fuel as he was continued to try to climb. And, uh, you know, it, obviously he lo lost enough thrust to climb and he didn't, and he just kind of just landed. But, uh, Where is yeah, man. Where at? Yeah, one, one little spark is coming out. Um, one, one little spark um, in that situation, I mean, and that's a bad day. Mm -hmm. right. I don't know. I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people sit early and breaking props. I've never heard of a prop cutting a hole in the fuel tank in that process. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, part of my language. But was it happens. a tank or was it a bladder? It was it was a plastic fuel tank. Well, yeah, never kind of hurt. Would have no. needed a would have needed a spot to ignite it. So lucky, sure. Not, but uh, the fuel would have been behind him. So hopefully, he still would have been okay. The the hot exhaust yeah, pipe is enough to to ignite it, wouldn't it be? I mean that that pipe gets hot. You need a spark. So the carbon going through plastic. When it cut, wouldn't have created a spark. Hence, if it was a metal tank, then it may have. But yeah, what we're gonna hey, say there, Will? I was gonna say, Brian, don't you have a video coming out soon? Yeah, yeah, I'm still waiting on a couple of loose standards to tie up on that one. But uh, I was flying at about 300 feet above this person that happened, and you can oh. see this the spew that came out. And then also, I've got now a better ground footage of it. Uh, when it happened. And uh, so, I mean, stuff happens. I mean, you know, new students, literally this guy was being told, run, posture, power, don't sit, run, pass. and he ran, and he, he didn't have, he wasn't going near fast enough, and he literally just jumped into his seat. And, uh, and he, you thought for a second he was going to make it, but then he hit a terrace. And, uh, you know, he just didn't have the lift, but, but stuff happens. And, you know, you know, yeah, like a little, little hill in front of him. Like a berm. Yeah, basically. So he, he almost made it, man. It was super close. Like that was his first flight, literally. Um, but, you know, he had some damaged gear. He broke a prop, lost a tank, um, had to order some new gear. Um, he is definitely not giving up on the sport. But, you know, it, it can be frustrating. Um no matter what you tell them as an instructor, you never know what that student's going to do on their first flight. You try to set them up as good as you can for success, but sometimes, you know, stuff happens. Well, and that's another thing too, even after the training and everything. I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced that at one point or another, but your very first flight after training, after you're done with training, you're back home, you're in a new field, new area, you, you know, you're familiar with your gear and stuff, but Basically everything that, you know, you, you, you had a hammer down, you were good. You had the radio and everything. Now you're on your own and you're just out there and you're like, man, I hope I absorbed everything. And I hope I remember every single thing that I learned because I don't want to make a mistake, you know, but it's like, it all goes right out the window for a second there. Cause now you're, you're kind of second guessing yourself a little bit. Like, did I learn everything? Did I remember everything? 
Am I am I focusing on the right thing? We can hear you, JP. Um, oh yeah, and JP, did you say that you got to go, buddy? Yeah, I got to go. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. It's been a, a great journey to be on with y'all, and um, yeah, I will catch you on the next show. Thank you, JP. Buddy. Appreciate you. Sean, I got to jump out too. Uh, just wanted to say congratulations to you, the, the whole panel who's here every week and all the people in chat that make up the show. Congratulations to everyone. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, thank Thanks you, Mark. Appreciate you, buddy. Guys, I got to sign off as well. Thanks for the 100th show. It's awesome, Cole. We appreciate you. Have a yep. quick, oh, I love your wing. Thank you. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Thanks, Cole. Bye-bye. Fly safe. And it is, almost nine, it is almost 9.30, so um, I think it's time for all of us to go. Um, yeah. uh, any, any words of wisdom that anybody wants to say before we head on out, guys? Fly in peace. Absolutely. Hey, Walter, I'm messaging your- you on Facebook there, and I haven't been able to get in contact with you, so if you could. Uh, I, haven't been, I haven't been on there long, Jim. I think I've friended you. From memory, so uh, yeah, we'll have a chat one night. Sounds good. Good. Cheers. Thanks for letting me uh, connect with Walter, guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the words of wisdom. Hey, uh, that's the uh, that's the episode one hundred words of wisdom. Hey, let's connect with Walter down under. I love it. That's great. I'd love, I'd love to put a trip together. Uh, get you guys over here and uh, let Australia see what you guys are about. It'd be great to uh, put a little trip together and uh, see some of the mid uh, country here in South Australia and 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 north. Uh, yeah, just something for the future. Maybe twenty twenty four. You know, put something together and uh, a little bus trip for us all uh, would be great. A little camping trip through the centre and a, a bit of flying over uh, Is Rock Uluru or the, uh, the the lake up here, the inner lake that uh, Brian Haybale would love to fly over. <laughs> inner ocean and, uh, yeah, same. I, I, I've got to try and get there next year, but... Uh, Things are not not easy, and yeah, price wise, money wise, it'd be hard for me. But we'll we'll, we'll see what happens in the future for twenty twenty two. And uh, I'd like to wish everyone, even though it's early, a merry Christmas, and uh, let's hope a, a great twenty twenty two because it sounds like some good numbers there, and uh, hopefully it's good for us all. I hope so too, buddy. I hope so too. Yeah. Yeah. Merry Christmas to you too, even though it's early. Yeah, uh, Mr. Working Amazon Man. <laughs> I'll be working Christmas too. I was worried about that roof that fell in on that Amazon plant. I thought the bloke's just got working and now he's got like a engine. question. Oh, man. It's in another Thanks for the koala. Without you, you know, being yeah. in our world, I wouldn't have to. Cheers, Linda. Love you. Love Robert. I love and, you. Uh, <laughs> everything he does, uh, all you guys, everything you do. Brian Waller, uh, you're on, and the Lears, uh, Shane. Uh, I know he's probably very upset at the moment. Um, yeah, uh, give him yeah, a we, bit we miss of, everybody, dude. Walter, we appreciate you, man. 
You know, you, 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 you are our regular. You are our constant that is always here to support us on all the shows. And uh, you, you don't even live here in this country. And uh, you're on this uh, opposite time zone. The coolest go the opposite direction. It's just crazy thing. But you're still here to support us. So we, we appreciate you, man. Yeah, I'm... You know, unfortunately, uh, I'm over here, and uh, in Australia, I fly a PPC. My uh, my love was backpacks even before I started building. Uh, so we're, I'm going back to the 90s, and uh, I followed. We were talking about Mr. Tucker and uh, and and McDonald's, and I think I started before that, and uh, the shows. I think paragliding talk would be the first one, correct, Linda? Yeah. Yeah, and um, and OPN, of course, and 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 PPG Grandpa, great show, one of the greatest. And uh, and don't yeah. forget Anthony Vella. Well, I'd have oh, to say yeah. earlier shows, earlier shows was Cloud Based Mayhem. It's still there. The Paramotor yeah. Podcast, which oh, was hey. Anthony Vella's. Right, Anthony Bell. Uh, I'm yeah. just putting it out that that was that was before. He, he's he's the one that I listened to originally. Yeah. yeah, well, that was a little bit before my time. I didn't know of the podcast at the time, and uh, yes, yeah, so I've been following. I don't know, Robert. What's Robert's show now? Five years, I think. Linda. Uh, pretty close. Four, something like pretty that. Close. In about a year, I think. Uh, you know, we're, we're almost 200, so yeah, it's it's been yeah. a while. Yeah, I'm not a PPG flyer, but in my mind, I yeah, I've flown with you guys and, and everything with your with your vlogs and some great ones at that. And your country, as I said, I love it. Uh, you know, seeing different areas to me, it's beautiful. I didn't see all your country, so the extras is uh, just a bonus at 65. To be able to see you guys, it gives me great gratitude. And I'm flying with you, okay? There you uh, go. Yeah, my heart and my mind is with you. And and paragliding, to me, would be the ultimate. Uh, as in free flight, I've felt gliding in my past, having flown power and gliders. Uh, uh, paragliding, to me, would be the ultimate as a bird. There you go. I agree. Well, I have to say, listen to what Walter said there, you know, talking about and Sean talking about past shows and shows that are still going on. I hope that in a few years from now, uh, people are not looking back at us and talking about the show that used to be. I hope that we're still going strong. Uh, we, we're 100, 100 shows now and, and uh, approaching over a couple of years, I think, to do that. Um Man, it's been a great time. If I had any advice to give to anybody that is thinking about getting this sport, first off, it would be get off your butt, do it. Life is too short. Yep. Next, go to Will Fly's channel, watch every video he ever made. <laughs> and then, that's true. That's true. That's true. That last video you did, it has over 9,000 right. hits, all your tips and tricks. I love it. And then go Good get one. training. And after you get proper training, get gear, and then go fly and get on the show with us. Absolutely. We'll talk to you. I will talk that to you before, you before you fly if you want to. 
We've talked to people nah, before. Just do pilots. Just do pilots. We talked about <laughs> And they never stop learning. No. We never stop yeah. teaching. Pay it forward. Absolutely. Never stop learning. You're always going to learn something if you just stop and listen. You that listen to everyone that you've run across flying. You know, there may be something that this guy's good at that you're not so good at. There may be something that you're really good at that they suck at. But you can learn from each other. And as long as you're learning, you're growing. And if you're growing, it's a beautiful thing. Yep. That's the show's so great because we've met so many with uh, that PPG Grandpa has brought to us and uh, of all forms uh, and, and knowledge, as you said, Sean, long as you listen, and that's what this show is about, especially Sean's podcast. Uh, so, you know, if you listen, you can pick up a lot. I sure did. Right, Sean? Sean and Sean? I mean, the last few years. <laughs> I know, you're, like, talking to, you're talking to Sean or Grandpa. Sean I mean, we don't, we don't know. The Sean. The Sean. Yeah. Well, Sean uh, Nasser, Sean. I, I, would, I would say to what you just said, uh, about flying is is I will always remember something AJ Gowen told me when I was training an aviator as a new student. He said that at 50 hours, I thought that I would know it all. When I got to 50 hours, I realized I didn't know anything. And uh, you just continue to learn as you go. That's um, no matter no matter how you good you get at this sport, there's always going to be somebody better at doing something that you can learn from. Yeah. So just keep it, keep an open mind. The more people you can fly with and learn from the better a pilot you're going to be. Exactly. Don't, don't, treat it, don't treat it as a competition. Just treat it as knowledge. Most of us don't. We're, we're here to support each other. Yeah. We're not here yeah. to beat each other. Like some, and some I might, might I add the first lesson you're going to learn before anything is do your parapy first before you put your gear on. <laughs> All right. I'm just saying because it never fails. You get that motor on your back, you get hooked in, you got everything warmed up, everything's getting ready to go, and you go, Hi, IP. <laughs> you're ready to take a step forward, and you're like, man, I should have hit the can before I left. There you go. You a know? good pilot always takes care of business before he goes flying, right? That's yeah, right. Oh, hard it is to get a paramotor and a porta potty. Mm. <laughs> oh, <God>. Hey, <laughs> I can, John, Will, I can John. see you trying. I can see you trying, Will. John, do you walk around just ask people before they get ready to fly? Okay, you have to go potty. You better go now. If you got to go, you better go. Well, you, 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 know, you know, with the angel, you got that one, uh, that one pole harness type of thing. Um, the way it's set, you can actually unzip and pee as you're flying. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Is that grandpa flying? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we've yeah. seen videos on YouTube covering such shenaniganry, and, and, and they've and they've replied that it's a terrible idea because the propeller sucks air in. Now it doesn't care what it sucks, whether it's water or whether it's air; it's still sucking it in. And uh, you know, if air is flowing in. It, 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 Air's yeah. flowing oh, back mean, behind me, so it's all right. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, you're about to get the a pilot soon. behind you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's going to shoot. <laughs> yeah. That's a vision. Yeah. I'll never look at para paramotoring the same ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like watching everybody fly in the videos. I wonder if <laughs> 
Did he get uh, the word I thought he did? <laughs> <laughs> I have a question uh, the subject, Linda. Um, what, what? Getting back to getting in the seat early. Now, I'll ask you, the panel, the experts, why, why do people tend to sit early? Because to me, landing gear, you don't put up until you're in flight. Now it's it's a it's a DNA thing. When somebody when when you have that feeling of lifting, you automatically feel like you got to sit. Right, it's, but it's, that, that, that's well, not flight yet. No, but some of it's those not seats flight. are designed to scoop you up as well. Well, the thing is, right. as I say, your landing gear you don't put up till you have flight. So to me, having not done it in my mind is don't put up my landing gear until I'm flying because I may need, I might get sink and use that landing gear. All right. So I, if I'm, well, Walter, I want to tell you something. All right. Yeah. I, I, I knew because I watched all these videos. I read everything. I, I just knew I would never sit too soon. I would never turtle for God's sakes. I'd never come in and land on my knees. And the first five flights, I hit every single one. It <laughs> wonderful. It's it's just one of those things that you can know it in the noggin, but yeah. once you get out there and you first do this, the DNA yeah. says something totally different. Just like when you're when you're trying to kite this this pendulum thing, you know, yep. the wind goes this way, you know, you feel like I have to pull this way, but you don't. You have to get underneath <laughs> of it. It's totally opposite. And this and when people watch this on on YouTube and they're like, oh, I will never sit too soon. I will never, you know, turtle. I'll never do this or that. And I can probably put a wing up and 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 be the and be a god. No. No, no, no. This is totally opposite of anything you've ever learned or felt or tried to do in your life. When you're dangling there and never say never. And the wing pulls you back and it changes your angle of coming down at the ground and you're feeling like you're gonna fall on your back anyway. Oh, I don't want to crush my legs. Let's get them out of the way. The equipment's fine, let's get rid of the equipment, but not my body. You know, yeah. these instincts are kicking in left, right, yeah. Down. Yeah. Yeah. I can see, I can see the instinct of, of raising your legs to get them out of the way and so on. But uh, yeah, it's just, well, the other thing is, let's say you've got flight now, you're still out of the seat. Is it any harder to get into the seat? No, the seat scoops you up. That's why when you start feel. That's why when it starts going up, it feels like you're being scooped up. So you just automatically feel like, okay, I'm going to sit down. Well, a lot of that depends on how your harness is set up and if it's set up correctly or not, too. Yeah. Because if your harness yeah. is set up correctly, you're going to have to kick. You're going to have to move one arm to get your seat up underneath your butt. If it's not yeah. if it's not set up right, you're going to struggle, and that's what you want to avoid. You want yeah. it to be where when you get off the ground. You're still kicking your little legs. Even if your feet are off the ground, you're still kicking those little legs. Stubby nubbies. That's what I call them. Stubby nubbies. All right? Kick them bad boys, you know? And once you're in the air and you're gaining altitude and everything's good, everything looks good, guess what? Then you can kick your legs up and the seat right under the tissue, you know? Yeah. I wonder how much of it is psychological, though. I mean, you tell a kid not to do something, what's he going to do? He's going to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Every instructor out there, drills into you beforehand don't sit don't sit too early Brian, don't sit too early you're gonna Brian, feel the 
desire Brian, to sit don't, through it. Don't, don't think pink through. elephant. Yeah. Don't think pink so, elephant. Stop thinking pink have, elephant. You know, yeah. what, what if we encourage them to continue running until we tell them to stop or, you know, yeah. find a better way of doing it? I mean, Run until you're tired of running. Way. Yeah, Brian, I think you're onto something there. I mean, the, the first thing I remember is my instructor saying, I, on my first launch, I want to see your legs running until I tell you not to, or yeah. it was until you get to whatever it was, the hundred feet, maybe, well, maybe he meant 10 feet, but you know, 10 feet feels like a hundred feet to you when you're first flying, you know, leave the ground. So yeah. it's hard to consciously make yourself do that running, but that keeps you from sitting in the yeah. seat. In my mind, in my mind, I see myself in, in a in an aircraft, and you know that that feeling when when you see yourself or you know you're in the air and the wheel is turning, well, you know on your landing gear, it's still turning, and as a pilot, you hit the brake to stop that, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's it's the same thing to me is. Get flight first before you pull up your landing gear. So it's just in my mind. I I hope that one day when I do it, I uh, do it correct and not sit down. That's all. So you'll remember. You'll remember this. You'll remember this. You'll say, "I knew. I just knew. I was not going to sit. I'm not going to turtle. I'm not." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Brian, you're on something there. Seriously. I mean, there, there's no. I will the listener you to stop? There, there's yeah. no perfect solution, though. Listen, that, that's exactly what they told us at Aviator. You will win the award if we have to tell you to stop running into the sky. All right. The award was you didn't have to buy a new prop. Apparently. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But but the, the flip side of that is if somebody's too aggressively running into the sky, uh, we literally had a guy in our class that he kept running and it was exaggerated and his foot went into the prop. He, he, he was named Chop Chewy. So there's a flip side of this. You don't run enough. You sit early or you do it perfect or you run too much and you stick a foot in a prop. I mean, so, you know, what do you do as an instructor from that perspective? What's the perfect median to find? I mean, how do you be the most successful? I've That's watched question. I've watched aviators, um, you know, shows and stuff and they, you know, showed, you know, first flight people and they say, keep on running. And then they try to sit and they say, don't sit, don't sit, keep on running. So, I mean, it's just, I, I feel that it's like DNA. I mean, it just feels like the way oh, you're yeah. being pushed like this, you feel yourself being pulled up, you feel your chair coming underneath your butt and it just feels natural to go, okay, I need to sit. And you know what, I um, found helps? Uh, what I found helps with me, I know I don't have to kick my stubby legs when I get off the ground. I know I don't have to. I know I don't have to because, one, my wing is big enough to lift me up without my motor. Number two, it doesn't take my half throttle, and I'm off the ground 5,000 feet within 10 minutes. But I imagine it like I'm running, and when I get into the air, I'm still running that escalator up as I'm going up. I'm kicking them legs. If I do about 10 kicks, I'm about up to where I can stop kicking my legs. Now I can sit. You know what I mean? About 10 good kicks, 10 good kicks. And you're giving full throttle and you're giving, you're off, you're off the ground. All right. You're already in the air. You're going up. That's a trick. You're going up. 
Yeah, it's, really, it's really hard, though, when you're a good pilot. You know, um, I honestly can't remember the last time I ran and did not do a foot drag as I was taken off. I'm running, I do a foot drag, I take off. I mean, I come in, I foot drag, and then I, you know, do a quick landing. I mean, I don't do things like a newbie pilot would. I can't remember what it felt like to not, you know, to tr to sit down. You oh, know, I still or, do it. Or to I turtle and stuff like that. I still so, kick my legs. I don't do the foot drag takeoffs. And I, I, I've done none of that, really. I, 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 it's part of the what I do, man. It's I kick those little stubby legs. I get up in the air. You still see me kick, kick, kick. Even though I'm not doing it like, you know, this kick, kick to the beat of the music. You know, as long as they're moving, it's okay. Because guess what? If I come back down, they're still moving. They're not sitting yeah. still. You know, yeah, I'm I'm doing a darn foot drag because I know that at a certain speed, um, uh, and and a certain certain grip, you know, on my on the on the throttle, I know that I'm doing a, a foot drag, and I know that if uh, I go down too far, I just pull a little bit brake and a little bit more throttle, and I'm going to be up. It doesn't make any difference. Now Brian hasn't um, done a uh, foot launch since he's got his retractor trike. And will fly. He went from a Adam eighty to a Moser one eighty five, and uh, he only takes a couple steps and no wind. So share that real quick, like uh, Brian. As far as uh, you know, not running anymore. <sighs> so yeah, I'm getting fat, and lazy. I never <laughs> run. Um, I, I take off downwind, crosswind. I don't care anymore. Um, no, seriously, though, I always take off with a full tank. Um, you know, I, I, my trim setting on launch and landing is not as big of a deal anymore. Um, I have not foot launched since I got my wheels. I, I talk to some other people. They fly their retractor track with their front wheel out all the time. As soon as I take off, literally I'm five feet in the air. My front wheel comes under the seat, and it's just like foot launch from then on to a land. So to me, it's the best of both worlds. Um, you know, yeah, I can foot launch, but I don't need to. I love, I love to, I love to trike too. How about you, Will? You went from an Adam eighty where you had to run across the football field, and now you got the one eighty five, and you can just take a couple steps and be in the air. What, what, what's that like? That is just like I like. Like I've said before, I feel like I'm Superman coming from the Adam eighty. You are Superman. <laughs> no, but I, I don't. I don't keep running anymore. But I always keep my legs out, and uh, there's just no advantage to getting in the seat early. What's the? What would be the advantage of doing it? And mm. and, and so since there is no advantage to doing it, I just keep my legs down. You know and ready to run if I need to. I mean, I'm in a running stance already, so I'll keep my legs in that position. But um, yeah, uh, I'm not saying that I didn't have to struggle with it because I did. I struggled immensely with wanting to sit. But, uh, um, and, I, and I kept running during that process, but now that I'm comfortable with, uh, I understand why I need to do something. I. I don't know. I just keep doing it. With the Adamanti, you did have to keep on running because I, you could go up a little bit and come back down because you just didn't have a lot of power, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. I have to clarify. He says he's not Superman, but uh, I know for a fact that he can walk on water. 
Um, he has done it with Adam eighty. So, so he, he has like 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 that, Brian. <laughs> this guy landed in a creek, ran it out, kited his wing down on the bank, didn't even fall and get his motor wet. Um, wow, it was uh, it was pretty impressive, and uh, it blew up. Wow. I saw him blow up, and he walked out. Thanks yeah. to God, yeah. And he lived to tell. <laughs> he lived to tell. That's yeah. I'm just. I'm if just you've seen, uh, you seen the same guy trying to walk in the creek without a motor on his back, he, you know, he, he probably needed a hiking stick. He almost fell down a bunch of times, but with a motor on his back and a wing over his head, uh, he's pretty stable. Hey, Will, I want to just rub it into the rest of the panel, Mr. Two and a Half Leader at Philburn. Um, <laughs> How much throttle do you reckon you actually use on takeoff? Uh, I don't use full throttle. No. I don't know how much, but I don't use full throttle. Uh, probably, yeah. I don't know, I guess 65%, maybe somewhere 70%. How many steps yeah. do you take before you're in the air then? Uh, I mean, you know, that just depends on what the winds are. So in a no-wind situation which I hate to do, so I don't do a lot of no-wind launches. Um, gosh, I just did one of those a few days ago, probably seven? Six. Yeah. On, on no-wind, I take a maximum of 10. Yeah. 10, 10 what? 10 steps. Oh, holy crap, man. And I, I, okay. My 18-meter my V-King and my 25-meter Magic I take four steps. Yeah, but how much do you weigh, Sean? On, on nil wind, are we talking? Are we talking about nil wind? Nil wind, maybe six steps most. Okay, Robin. that's what that's what Will does. About six steps. I take you know maximum of ten on nil wind. I mean that's nothing. And when there's any wind at all, three steps, and I'm I'm, I'm just it's like an elevator. Two, yeah, literally two steps. One, two, I'm off the ground. Yeah. What's that? Do you pull brake? Um, mm. Just for a quick second. Uh, up. Yeah. yeah, it's like I, I'm, my hands are up with a little bit of pressure until I'm at that speed, like at, you know, to, at that 10th step where I know I'm at that speed, you know, I just give a little bit like this, bring it back up, I'm in the air. I mean, it just doesn't take much for me to go boop in the air. I like boop in the air. Hey, boy. Are you ever going to come back to us, man? Or have we lost you forever? <laughs> well, you mean the, the foot launch crowd that sits over there in the popular yeah, section? Good side. <laughs> cool kids. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, man. Maybe, maybe so. But, uh, you know, I was, planning on doing, I was planning on doing a foot launch again when I was an aviator when the winds were ideal, but uh, I just never got around to it. Yeah, no one. I don't know, man. In a while, so no wind. I like I like my trike. Um, strong winds. I like to foot launch. So I guess you really haven't had a lot of um, heavy winds or strong winds, uh, Brian, because you know with a with a trike, it's hard to launch when you have high winds, right? No, I've, I've never launched uh, with more than about a seven or eight mile an hour headwind. Um, with my trike doing a Ford, obviously. Um, I've never, I'm not one of those guys that have attempted to do a reverse on my trike and turn it around. Um, 
But no, I'm right. always finding in good conditions. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So uh, no, I have not been in that situation yet, for sure. Okay, um, real quick, Jim. Um, since you're a newbie, kind of um, six months in, uh, congratulations and at your almost 100. Um, how many steps does it take for you to get in the air? And as soon as you leave the uh, ground, are you still running or are you getting in your seat? Um, I don't know how many steps it takes for me to get in the air, but I know pretty much now where I can just sit in my seat. I do not run off the ground. Oftentimes I probably sit a little too early because I can easily foot drag now for a little while and go up into the air. Oh, so, so you have launched and uh, done foot drag? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You are really moving up in the world. It's not deliberate, but <laughs> hey, you did but a foot drag. You did a foot drag, Jim. Off a of, off a of launch, yeah. On purpose? Not a hundred percent on purpose. My throttle got caught between the or the brake got caught between my throttle and and I was yeah. running so hard and I couldn't get it to go and I thought so I kind of put some more brake on and. Then I just hopped in the seat so I could get off and get going. It'll be mainly throttle management for that. Just letting you know. It's more it's more about throttle management. And it's not like you're thinking where I give it a little bit and it goes, huh, and I just kind of hover there. No, it's not. You're giving a little, letting a little off, giving a little, letting a little off. You're, it, it's a constant play motion with that throttle to get it to yeah. push you just enough to keep you where you're you're going level, you know? Well, yeah, I've done foot drags, but I mean, off of takeoff, it's uh, a little different, right? Because yeah. your throttle, <laughs> my throttle anyway, is not that accurate. Like if I let off my throttle, um, I I can't control it that well. I have to use my brakes in order to maintain my altitude and my direction when I'm doing a foot drag. I have a trigger throttle not a bicycle handle throttle it's like a trigger like you know like a gun type of thing and i've never used a bicycle handle type that you guys have uh, do you all use a bicycle handle or do you use the trigger like a gun i use a bicycle but my bicycle's a little decapitated because yeah i don't like i don't like it being over the middle finger i don't like that that the way okay yeah Yeah, i I don't really i don't care i don't care for him being long like that because exactly what you said jim getting it caught between that brake handle and the throttle and and the handle itself when that brake gets in between it can cause a problem it can get it can get caught and stuck if you're pulling on the brake it can get caught and stuck now you're full throttle not a good spot to be in I've got mine trimmed down to where it's my pinky and my ring finger. Okay. That's what I go off of. I use my pinky and my ring finger. These two fingers here are what I use for my brakes. I use my brakes just like, you know, two fingers, two fingers, you know? Yeah, um, but they, same thing because it's just, yeah. it's happened to me more than once now. And it's, it's really annoying. Like the last time I took off, it was, I was actually running with the wind and then it jammed again, but, and so I was just, oh, man, I had 
never run so fast in my life. <laughs> I did a video one time on what is it what does it feel like to uh, to try to launch with the wind? It's only like one or two miles an hour, right? I've never run so far uh, so fast in my life with the wind. Like one mile an hour is just not much. Huge difference. And that's another thing too with like what you were talking about with your right and left hand throttles. You know, I use a right hand throttle. The reason why is because I have more control over what I'm doing with that throttle when I'm doing what I'm doing with it. These two little fingers here, I have pretty good timing and control with these two fingers on my dominant hand. That's why I, I prefer to use it because that's a stronger hand. You know, mm. um, these, yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> you got, yeah like, come on, Brian, you know, yeah. yeah. So we're, yeah. Actually, I, I, we're talking about, we're talking about throttles. I fly with a pointy and uh, it was a three finger throttle. I cut it to a two finger throttle, Okay, two fingers and a break. Um, it's in my left hand, which is my dominant hand. I know my, my, I should be flying with the right handed throttle, but, um, yeah. Um, you know, I, the, the Polini was definitely too long. Uh, a finger got stuck on it. I had problems with the, the brake toggle. You know, to, you know, if you're a newbie, you got a lot of stuff going on in that throttle hand to start with, you know, that you're not used to. Uh, and then add a glove on top of that you're not used to or something like that. You lose dexterity. But, yeah, it's easy to get the brake toggle, um, you know, stuck in there like that. You're talking about, Jim. I, I can see that happening easy. Has anyone used uh, a thumb throttle? Yeah, Sean flies a thumb throttle. Oh no, you don't. Sorry, I apologize. No. You, no. I've seen Has it, but I haven't used this? it. You're yeah, flying, because... you're flying the... along, and you're you go for like a two or three hour flight. You come back, and then as you're coming in, because you haven't had your brakes in your hand the whole time, you grab your brakes, you bring them down. But then just as you're about to flare, you throw a break away, trying to get off the throttle. Uh, That's not a scary that. situation. Is, it, uh, with, is, is that with a thumb throttle you said, Jim? No, I wasn't. It was my three throttle, my yeah. kangaroo. So you're, so you're, you're a bicycle brake type of thing, right? Yeah. But okay. basically what I was doing, I went for a flight. It was only like my 30th or maybe 35th flight. Uh -huh. Went for a flight and it was like three hours long. Stowed the brakes, uh, just had this one brake. Even put my throttle on cruise control and set it off to the side, and just cruised around. Well, then I came back, grabbed. Oh, I see. Back. And as you grabbed it, it went full throttle. No, I, I was ready to land. Everything was good. I had my trims right, perfect. And then I went to let off the throttle. You threw the brake. <laughs> I was like, oh, you can grab this one and pull it down. Well, then you go in a nice big circle. How was your landing? Well, I skinned my, I landed on my knees and um, pretty much on my face. Isn't but it amazing? Isn't it amazing that you can like come in for a landing with one of these paramotors, land on your knees and face and walk away with like, oh, that was embarrassing, but really no injuries. Yeah. Mm. It's it's wonderful that those arms are in the front and they're just, you know, they 
you're pretty speed fast. is everything man you know speed is exponentially worse on damage so as you go faster so you know yeah. if you're cruising around at 20 miles an hour and you hit something that's not nearly as bad as 30 that's for sure but uh yeah, i kind of look at it like gooseneck swing arms and your j bars is like a safety belt yeah i mean really you know you can land on your knees laying flat on your face and guess what you're fine you know you got it's, like, it's like falling off a moped i mean we're not yeah. going that fast especially if you're able to give a little bit of flare before you hit um yeah. we'll fly real quick on your on your throttle i didn't hear what you do uh, I, I had the Polini throttle. I used my non-dominant hand, so my left hand, and I have not cut mine down. But I have had the issue where the toggle got stuck in between and kept me from going full power. So I can see the need for that. And Jim, okay. I've never done anything that ridiculous, but I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have landed without getting out of my seat. Though. So do you use three fingers <laughs> on your throat, Will? Uh, I use... No, no, because these I use for the, the brake. I'm still using my the, these two fingers for the throttle. Yeah, see, that's why I, I did what I did with mine was because I use these two fingers anyway for my throttle. Mm -hmm. These two I'm using on my brake, so I don't, I don't need to worry about that big finger thing because it's just in the way. It, it's constantly it in the way. Sense, and yeah. it's probably something I should do. I haven't had that issue in, you know, for a while, but I have had it, so I could see it happening. Interesting. And you know, Jim, I'm just kidding, right? Yeah, I'm just kidding with you, man. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. A lot yeah. worse than that. <laughs> mm. Well, it is 10 o'clock. It's, uh, I guess it's been three hours. We've done this for three hours. Um, uh, it's, un I mean, we could probably go for another couple hours. I mean, I, I can talk paramotors um a lot um which is probably why i have a podcast and i have shirts that say warning may talk about paramotors but um i bet you anything we don't have too many more viewers and uh, they're ready to go to bed i know that my wife already said hey i'm going to bed are you coming to bed and i'm like yeah i better get my butt to bed if the wife is saying that i better get to bed right well, so anyways, we do it again next week. i think we should i, I definitely yeah, think we should do this again next week and and every week from here on out Till we have like uh, ten seasons, and then keep on going. We got um, we got Justin Terrell next Monday. Make sure oh yes, Justin Terrell. Yep, next yeah. Monday. Yep. We we don't have anybody for episode one hundred two on the twenty seventh. Um, episode one hundred three on the third we don't, but on the tenth we have somebody, right? Yeah. Uh, Jack. Do somebody have Jack? Jack Burton. You got yeah. Jack on the tenth. All right. Yeah, should be a good show. We always have good shows. I really, I really like this. I'm, I'm real so glad that you guys hung out with me today. Um, yeah. Hundred, hundred episodes. Uh, can't wait till next year. We're, I mean, season three is coming up in what a couple weeks. Yep. We um, having a Christmas shing ding next week. Shing I, ding. A shing I, ding. I don't shing know. Ding. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> the, 20, the 27th is that monday right after christmas i don't know do you yeah. think, I'm, do you think I'm planning on putting on my rudolph nose and foot dragging some roofs personally uh for oh. christmas so there you, uh, there you know you hey santa's coming baby don't get, don't get caught in the power lines <laughs> yeah like <laughs> last that. year yeah. no i've already been right. in one tucker review video that's enough yeah so, <laughs> it'll make 
It'll make national world news if you do. Yeah, it will. Just think how famous you're going to be, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> if I can get a hay bale above the power lines, is that what's going oh, on? Oh, man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Well, hey, All happy right. 100th episode. Yeah, happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Happy 100. Amazon. Congratulations, y'all. Yeah, so thank you very much, everybody. Appreciate you hanging out with me over here at ClearProp TV. If you're listening to us, you probably search for PPG Grandpa's Paramotor Podcast or found us on paratalk.org. Find us every Monday night at clearproptv.com. Thank you very much, Jim. Uh, he helps us out uh, with printing. You can always find his shenanigans at careppg.com but he also does a lot of cool things as far as printing and he has a printing place up in canada carepp.com tell us a little bit about that jim yeah i do printing and you do printing all right my, he does printing. my wife told me the, today or yesterday sorry that uh, i don't explain it enough that means i can print business cards oh. or stickers cool or decals, or decals, decals, or checks. <laughs> I got my calendar. I got my calendar. Uh, 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 Jim, I reckon you should print um, a picture and um, information on all of our legends that they can give out at the fly-ins for free. Well, Tip you know. Temporary tattoos, maybe. Oh, yeah, no, temporary tattoos. That'd be a good idea. Tattoos. No, we've done can you make, hey, Jim, since you print, can you make t shirts too? You can. I'm, yeah. actually, I'm actually working on some wind pumps. Oh, there cool. You there you yeah. go. I knew it. I knew it. You can he's do making it. Some, yeah. He's making some clear prop TV wind socks. I love it. We do it. You guys do it in drag racing. All the drivers have their own personal photographs of their race cars. So a good picture of you in the air with your name, perhaps even signed, with a few details of the hours, blah, 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 of what you've done on the back. And it's just something you give out to the kids. And they go home and hang it up on their on their walls and one day they want to be a pilot, just like right. Will Flock. I'm, I'm a kid. You can give it to me, right? <laughs> Sounds good. Send me your favorite picture and your bio and I'll do it for you. There you yep. go. Oh, well. Yep. And so, no, so, how do, so Jim, how, how, does, how does Walter from Down Under get up with you then? You can oh, connect okay. with me through the website on carepp.com. Or through uh, my Facebook page, Care Printing and Publishing, and I will help you out. Awesome. Thank you, Jim, so much. We appreciate you, buddy. We also got Will Fly from willflyppg.com. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do and your really cool uh, YouTube site. Uh, I like flying paramotors and making videos about them. And you can find me at youtube.com forward slash willfly or Thanks to PPG Grandpa, willflyppg.com. It's an honor to be here on the 100th episode, really. I really, I, I appreciate you being on here, buddy. I, I, I do. And and your tips and tricks video 
uh, already has over 9,000 views. It was absolutely amazing. If you haven't seen it, go over to willflyppg.com. Look at his last video. Absolutely amazing. Just the tip, right? Is that what it said? Yeah, just the tip? Just, just the tip. And I have to say that, that I take no credit for that. That's all you guys that put that together. I really <laughs> appreciate that. Well, that was really awesome. I appreciate you. Um, we also have Brian Haybale Waller. When he le- when he needs to leave, he goes, "Hey, I need a bail." <laughs> there you go, awesome. bail guy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you were on our which which episode twenty six? Yeah, that's right. Number episode number twenty six is when y'all invited me on to talk about the Haybale episode. Probably about two or three weeks after the accident, so it was pretty fresh and. Uh, you know, I just kind of clicked with the crew here and hung around, and uh, we've been doing episodes ever since. Just uh, love flying paramotors, talking about paramotors, making videos about paramotors, and uh, maybe one day teaching you how to fly paramotors is where I want to go. So, yeah, um, you can check out some videos I make, uh, pbgbryant.com. Take you to my YouTube page. Um uh, and, and if you haven't seen all Will Fly's videos, uh, don't even come to my page because he he makes some really good videos. No, I'm just kidding. Will Will makes incredibly good videos, and I will always look up to him and his skills. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's that. Uh, hey Brian, definitely. shouldn't they go to your page first, then mine, then Will's? Because <laughs> <laughs> once they go to Will's, that's it. They're not going anywhere else. Yeah. They'll just turn our channels off. <laughs> there you go. Hey, hey, one thing. I know Brian's got a video that's coming up. That's uh, like, I, do you want to say anything about it, Brian? Or do you not want me to say anything about it? I hey, you talk about it, man. It's okay. I, it's about, it's a story about uh, guys getting together and their journey for training or through training. And uh, uh, it really kept my attention throughout. So he's got something good coming out there. So make sure you go over to uh, ppgbrian.com, hit that subscribe button and that bell notification because something really good's coming out. I like that. So thank you very much. Brian, could you do a a video on the 10 best ways to hit a hay bale? (laughs) I only know one good way, man. I don't know. I don't know 10 good ways. I'm sorry. I'm just not qualified for that video. (laughs) But, uh, I do know one damn good way to hit one, and that's stare at it until you fly to it. And yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Your last video where it shows, um, you know, if you want to go through the hay bales, look through the hay bales, not at a hay bale. That was really good too. Yeah, common sense to most of us, right? Or most of y'all that have been there and done that. But um, to some people, they just might not know that simple little trick. That can save them um, an accident. Absolutely. Thanks to you, we don't have to do it. That's right. We got a video <laughs> we can watch, and we don't yeah. want to do it. There you go. We also got Walter from Down Under. Even though he does fly PPC, he is uh, 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 an honorary PPGWalter.com. Thank you. Thank you for that. Honorary. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you can catch me on Facebook, people. That's the only thing I uh, I have at the moment. But when I get flying, I'm going to have a channel, and it may be pretty raw footage, good or bad. It's what you're going to see. 
Raw is good. Everybody likes Raw. And so thank you, Walter. I know that um, you could be sleeping or eating lunch. I don't know what you're doing over there, but you could be doing anything, but you hung out with us. So thank you very much, buddy. Good to see you. 2.40 in the afternoon. Oh, it must be nice. So how, so, so there is a tomorrow. Thank God. Yeah. All right, there is a tomorrow. <laughs> Good deal. We also got Linda Anderson. She's our PR girl, our cheerleader. You can always find her at paramomusa.com. That goes over to her Linda Anderson Facebook page. So if you want to be a guest, just uh, get up with her. And uh, something goes on on Thursday nights. What goes on on Thursday nights? Oh, my gosh. I get so excited about Thursday. Paraglidingtalk.com with your host, Robert Michaels. So, so who, time. who's All Robert Michaels to you? Who's Robert Michaels to you? He's my awesomest son. He's my your other son. awesomest son. That's I have an awesomest son here that lives by me, but then I have another awesomest son. Yes. <laughs> you guys, you guys, um, you guys are a legend. Okay, to me, you guys are legends. Oh, well, we couldn't do this without you. You probably booked um, more than half the people that have been on these this last 100 episodes. So uh, we definitely appreciate you. It's so fun. And like I said, I, you know, try to look for that next guest, get them on here and start the new, you know, start new friendships and all that stuff. And good. Absolutely. Absolutely. I tried to reach out to some people tonight, kind of remind them, you know, hey, jump in the Zoom, you know, and most of them were kind of busy or whatever, and that's all good. But this was a really good night. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Absolutely. Well, we definitely appreciate you so much. Thank you to you. Thank you to your son, Robert Michaels, for paraglidingtalk.com. And right. uh, every Monday night, you have Clear Prop TV, which is also PPG Grandpa's Paramotor Podcast. On Tuesdays, on the first of the month, you have ppgshane.com, where he does uh, a nice little podcast talking about paramotors and whatever pops up. And also throughout the rest of the week, on uh, Tuesday evenings, we have PPG Lear, L-E-A-R, where uh, Eric takes over and does a, a Tuesday night podcast. And then on Wednesday, we have an all-girl podcast. You can find uh, paramotorgirl.com, which is our um I'm, I'm, I'm drawing okay, a blank. <laughs> I'm, draw, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> um, um, Flying Flamingo Jade, yes, Flying Flamingo Jade, paramotorgirl.com. Uh, don't don't mess up on, on live air like I just did. I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's our 100th episode. Thank you very much, everybody. I love you guys, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow and next day and the next day and next Monday. You all have a great day, and thank you so much for joining us. All my love. Thank you. Good night, guys. Peace Bye. out. Peace out. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate you all. Show 100. Awesome. Show one.